get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. There's no way around the magnitude of this series, how much of a statement it is. If St. Louis goes in there and gets swept by the Reds, well, that's a pretty declarative statement. But if St. Louis goes in there and beats the Reds and comes out with a series win or a sweep, that's also a huge declarative statement. So, you know, you look at September, there's going to be a lot of wild times, and it starts really in about a couple hours. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. That was Katie Wu on the show on Monday. Well, they didn't play yesterday, boys. So we're going to play two. Yeah, seven inning double headers. Uh, uh, do we have to watch it? We're playing two today, and yes, you do have to watch it. And also keep it locked in right here on 101 ESPN throughout the day today, right here from uh, 11 to 2 with BK and Ferrari. We got the fast lane coming up from 2 to 6. You should stay tuned all day along. We'll break things down for you throughout the day. Alex, this very well may be the single most consequential day of Cardinals baseball in the 2021 season. First, I need you to describe consequential. Of consequence. Okay. Having a great degree of impact on what the Cardinal season will be seen as in the big picture. Yeah, I don't think so. Could you use another sentence for me? (laughs) Can I get the origin? This may be the the most important day of the Cardinal season. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. How many times have we said that this year? How many times have we said this is the most important day of the Cardinal season? Not and then they day. lose it. And then the next day, this is the most important day of the Cardinal season. That's right. That's right. And you know what? It's been true almost every single time. <laughs> and it <laughs> continues to be true today. You are two and a half games back right now of the Cincinnati Reds. And the San Diego Padres. Wait, San Diego's the wild card. If you win both games today, you will be a half game back of the Reds. If you lose both games today... You'll be four and a half games back and of the Reds. And if you split, you will be two and a half games back of the and Reds. And what if you win five of seven no, innings? No, no. And, and what if it rains today? Well, Again. Then you play a triple header tomorrow. Oh my they God. do have an off day tomorrow. I that's don't know if that's the case for the Reds innings. or not. I haven't checked their schedule. But <laughs> the Cardinals have every reason to go all out in these two games. It is hugely consequential for them. I know you're probably sick of it, just like Alex mentioned, of, hey, this is a big day for the Cardinals. Maybe they can get back into the race, so on and so forth. It's still true. Um, It remains true today, and they think they're in it. The map says they're still in it. BK thinks they're in it. so negative. BK, you are sounding like a guy who, if they win these two today, you're going to be back on board. No, no, no. I told you yesterday. I can't do that. Yeah, you sound like it, though. 
Michaelis, J-Hap, those are your two starters. Wade Miley, Sonny Gray, those are their two starters. They have better pitchers in this series. They're in their home ballpark. It's going to be tough, Dan. Uh, I was going to call you Dan. Alex, Alex Reyes, Dan McLaughlin. Man, I am be, on fire this tough. week. Alex, but they need to come away with, really, they, they at least need one or two. Be pretty big for them, though, if they were able to get the sweep. Here's the problem, and I know I'm being negative Nancy today. I apologize. But here's the problem with this being the biggest day of the Cardinal season. Let's say they go out there and they beat the Reds in the next two games, and they are a half a game out of the wild card spot. Who's their next opponent? Brewers. Who's the opponent after that? Dodgers. Who's the opponent after that? The Reds. Okay, that's what I'm talking about here. So we can get as excited as you want if they go out there and beat up on Wade Miley and Sonny Gray and the Cardinals offense is hitting dingers left and right. But you still have the opponents that you have struggled with all season after that. So this can be as important as you want it to be. And I'll get hyped if they can find a way to win. But you can't have me buying in yet until I see them go out there and do that against the Brewers, which they were unable to do, and the Dodgers, which they were unable to do. Hey, man, you know I agree with you because that's what I said yesterday. That's why I can't get back on well, board. I'm talking they... to Tanner because Tanner is way too positive Guys, about I'm this team. I'm telling you what, today is going to be a great day. The sun is going to come out at some point, I hope, and the Cardinals are going to sweep this freaking doubleheader. The Reds don't need those six extra outs. This is a sweep today. We're going to be half a game back of the Reds. I don't know what the Padres are going to do. Yelling. Yeah, why are you yelling at us, man? We don't need to yell at each other. Oh, sorry. You know, BK is like coming on here like someone. I don't even want to know how to describe it. Hey, man. Guys, the Cardinals play the hey, Reds today. T-Bone. And they're two T-bone. and a half back. Do you, do you need a couple minutes? Like, Do you need to like step out? No, I, I feel fine. I think BK needs to step out. Why do I, I sound like the guy from uh, what is it, King of the I, Hill? I don't know, but you were you were very negative, and it was it was just kind of this pouty little tone. Here, here's I what I here's what I usually hear when you talk. It's from the uh, it's that's what I usually hear. It's been a good start to the show, so let's get positive for a second. Let's hear from Adam Wainwright, who was on with Character and Smallman earlier today. He says there's a lot of good feeling in that Cardinals clubhouse going into this one. We're kind of sneaking on people right now because nobody. Nobody thought we would even be close to this situation. Um, I, I looked just two days ago. We were three and a half games mm-hmm. back, and our Vegas odds to make the playoffs were like 3%. And I, just, five. I, I can't understand that math. Uh, maybe it's because I'm, I'm always optimistic, like you say. But if we win both these games today, what will we be back? Half a game in the wild card? Somehow I'll look at the Vegas odds and we'll have like a 4% chance to make the playoff. Right. I mean, it, you know, and that's fine because that just drives us even more. Man, especially me. I, I'll be, <laughs> let me look up there and see we got 4% chance to make the playoffs. When I pitch on in a couple of days, I'll be fired up. I can tell you that. For what it's worth, I do think it's kind of wild that the Phillies have a 13% chance of making, or excuse me, a 31% chance of making the postseason according to the odds and the Cardinals have a 5% chance. According to the odds. To be fair, the Philly schedule's a lot easier. Sure. No, I get that. But both of these teams are, are not particularly good. They've basically been the same club all season long, and the records indicate that. And for some reason, the odds suggest that the Phillies have a significantly better chance of making the postseason than the Cardinals. At this point, man, I, I can't worry about the schedule. Like, it just doesn't matter. The Cardinals couldn't take advantage of their bad teams on the schedule. The Phillies haven't taken advantage of uh, stuff in the past either. May the best man win, right? This is where things get really interesting, Alex. If you are able to win both of these games, suddenly we have we have to take the Cardinals seriously, mm-hmm. right? 
I mean, even if you are the most negative person on this team, you're in this fan base, and you're BK. you're the Eeyore of St. Louis, and you're Was going he around or depressed, all of the above, and you're yeah. going around, and you're just negativity all the time. I'm not that bad. Okay, maybe you, I am. If you're if you're half game out to open up the month of September, I would imagine that gets you at least a little excited to watch these games, right? Well, and it should get you a little excited because the teams, but we had Mike Petriello on yesterday and he said nobody wants it in the National League. So like, if you do find a way to become a half game out of it and you find a way to beat the Reds, then yeah, you have to get somewhat excited. And by no means do I feel like you turn off the games and not pay attention because there is the possibility mathematically for you to get into the playoffs and actually do some damage. The problem are the teams that you're playing. But if the Reds continue to struggle, which offensively they have not been able to hit, if the Padres continue to struggle because they haven't been able to pitch and the Phillies just continue to be the Phillies, well, then you might be able to just be given that wild card spot. You know how else you can take it from them? Well, is it take it or buy it? Wait, take it or leave Leave it? it? Yeah, that's what we do. They called up a couple players. Over the last 24 hours, oh, they obviously had to call up Matthew Levator and Nolan Gorman. I, I got a song for us for this, actually. Is this Let's Hear It for the Boys? You ready? No, it's not Here for the Boys. It's actually a good song. That's a good song. Do you remember? Is this because Brandon Nixon's 36 years old? No. no, it's Ali Sanchez. The last time he played, he had a double. Timber. Brandon Nixon has been the called up by the know. Cardinals. <laughs> Sing the first part with you. Ten, in, ten innings out of Memphis this year. He had a 9.6 ERA. Whoa! That's worse than Noel Ramirez. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, his Roel. name's Roel. No, it's Noel. He has spent the last eight years overseas in Japan. You may know the name Brandon Dixon, and the reason why you probably do is because he did play for the Cardinals previously. When? 2011. Oh, my gosh, He's boys. A, That's right. Series the champion. 2011 World Series. Yep. Second coming. That's right. Um, what did they do in the 2011 World Series? They they, uh, they had a miraculous September, Alex. Oh, do we need the song again? There, was was a, t- there are many a book that have been written about it. I was talking about what did Brandon Dixon Dickerson do. Dixon? No, uh, Dickerson. Not much. He didn't do much. He threw 15 innings combined for the Cardinals in 2011 and 2012. Like I said, he's 36 years old. He has a 9.6 ERA so far this season down in AAA. He has not been a particularly effective pitcher. But? But, what? but things are going to change when he's pitching in front of this defense. And? I've seen what John Lester looks like outside of St. Louis. I've seen what he looks like here. It's a little different. I've seen what Jay Happ looks like in Minnesota. And then he got here. Been the best pitcher since the deadline, not named Max Scherzer. Don't, I like that. Don't forget, he was really good for Team USA in the Olympic qualifiers. Yeah, isn't he a gold medal? And you've got Ollie Sanchez, who gives the Cardinals more pitching depth, which means you're allowed to use Andrew Kisner in other situations. You were allowed to use him previously, but this manager didn't like to, so most managers, frankly, wouldn't have done it. Andrew Kisner can now be used as a pinch hitter, pinch runner. You can use him in other situations. The chess piece is now available to you. All right, I'm excited. Thank you. That's right. How much does this get you back on board, Alex Ferrario? Brandon Dixon and Ali Sanchez. Are you serious right now? This is where you answer. Are you serious right now? How much does this get me back on board? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm excited. Not really. I am curious of what happens with Andrew Kisner now. Does Andrew Kisner get used a lot more? Do we no. get to see his bat a little bit more this year or the rest of this season now that you have Ali Sanchez? Yeah, a little bit more. <laughs> okay, well, now I'm not excited at all. I mean, it's hard to be excited. Yeah. I was a little disappointed, frankly. I was surprised. 
I was disappointed. I was hoping that they would have called somebody up that, I don't know, would have kind of given a little bit of a spark to the team. The Cardinals are clearly trying to serve two different purposes at the same time. On one hand, they would love to compete this year, get to the playoffs, maybe even make a little bit of a run once they get in. On the other hand, they're very clearly using this as a transition year, in my opinion. And they told you that by the way that they handled Johan Oviedo, Jake Woodford at the trade deadline, by the way that they've kept uh, Matthew Libertor and Nolan Gorman down in AAA, and by the way that they brought up Brandon Dixon from AAA when the rosters expanded. I think this is going to be a week, maybe two weeks of Dixon up, and then they're going to get Dakota Hudson up here, and he'll be the guy that finishes off the season with the Cardinals after he's done with his rehab stint down in the minors. But if you really wanted to just improve your roster, if the exclusive goal right now was to make your team better, you're not bringing up Brandon Dixon. Oh, you're bringing up Juan Yapez. Or one of the other young arms that's down there what? throwing 98 out of the bullpen. Like, but there, see, that's there's the got to be somebody else down in the minors that could affect your team more than Brandon Dixon. But that's the thing. Pitching-wise, I don't know if there was anybody that would have come up here and would have been like, oh, yeah, we can use this guy. Because nobody in the minors right now is better than TJ McFarlane or Luis Garcia or, frankly, what the Latino Heat has been for you all season. So, like, that's why rather than bring up another pitcher – there, there really wasn't anybody who sets the world on fire. And I know everyone's saying, we'll bring up Matthew Levitore, Zach Thompson. No, that's not going to do it. They're going to keep those guys down there because of the transition you're talking about. But offensively, you got a lot of guys in AAA that are actually hitting the ball really well. And your weakest position has been your bench. I'm with you. And I know you want to stick with Matt Carpenter and Paul DeYoung because those are the veterans and those are the guys who can play off the bench. But you got guys who are killing the baseball right now. Those would have been the ones, or at least one of them, I would have brought up over Brandon Dixon. Yeah, Juan Yepes is the guy that every Cardinals fan has been talking about on social media over the last few days, and I, I think for good reason. Mm -hmm. He's been excellent so far in AAA. In 73 games this year, he has a 285 batting average to go along with 19 home runs and 18 RBIs. He's been really good for them down in AAA. He's crushing the baseball. I would have brought him up. I'm not in charge of the Cardinals. That's not my job. That's I totally job, understand Brandon. that. But that would have been the guy that I would have targeted because I, Yepes very well may have a bright future with the Cardinals organization. But he's not Nolan Gorman. He's not Jordan Walker. He's not one of your top five prospects right now. So if you bring him up to have some pinch hitting opportunities, I don't think it's going to completely stunt his growth. Those other guys, I want to see them get some more opportunities down in the minors where they're going to have every day at bats, right? So I get that, why they would be kind of hesitant to bring up some of their star prospects. Yepes was the guy that made all the sense in the world, especially if it's just for like a two-week tryout yeah. before you're able to bring up Dakota Hudson later on. So I was surprised by this. I didn't necessarily agree with the decision. I don't think it makes any sort of tangible difference with what they're going to be able to do with their bullpen. I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of Brandon Dixon. There's already guys that get buried out in their bullpen, specifically Daniel Ponce de Leon. There were times where he went like 10 days without actually throwing in a game. Wait, he's up. I think that this was a decision where they just brought up an arm to have an extra arm available to them. And I'm a little disappointed by it. It, it sucked a little bit of the helium out of the balloon yesterday when I saw that that was the move that they were going to make. I think they did it because they said, you know, what's going to spark a 2011 magic comeback. Wayno, Yachty and Brandon Dickerson. Dixon. Dickerson. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, I was talking about this in the office with Brad Barnes. What gets you excited about college football? 
Is it different this year for you than it has been in years past? I think there's a little bit of a lack of excitement, not about the local teams, but about the college football season as a whole. We'll get into that coming up in 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, the Cardinals have one thing going for them that I don't think the other teams that are competing against them in the wild card race have very much of. We'll tell you what that is next on 101 ESPN. More of the guys right now. BK and Ferrario brought to you by Smart House Heating and Cooling on 101 ESPN. It's definitely been a little bit of an up and down year, um, but I think kind of like what you were talking about, just the history of the franchise. And um, if you look around at the clubhouse, you see so many guys that have that experience, that postseason experience, and uh, just playing important games in September. So I think the fact that we have all those guys um, definitely bodes well for uh, us in the end of the year. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 30 minutes or so. Questions and answers. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. If you've got any questions to throw in right now. I think something that Tommy Edmond said, and that was via MLB Network Radio on that interview that was interesting to me, was the leadership component. Alex, the Cardinals have some veteran leadership that should be able to help shepherd them into this playoff race. Who I'm talking about, of course, is Yachty, Goldie, Arnato. And then you look at the rotation with Wayno, Happ, and Lester. I understand they very well may not be, and I don't think they are, as talented as some of the the other teams that they're going up against in this wild card race. I, they're not as talented right now as the Padres. I'm not sure they're as talented as the Reds. What they do have is a lot of guys that have been through something like this before. And maybe you don't value that. Maybe you say it matters 10%, whatever it is. It means something. To have guys that have been through this, that have seen what it looks like in September, meaningful games, especially leading up into a playoff race. So, again, I'm not saying it's the end all be all, but I do like the fact that the Cardinals have some guys that have been there, done that in these types of situations before. And if you don't get excited about that, just listen to Wayno's comment that we just played previously from the morning show. Him saying that you bet your whatever. I don't remember how Wayno always has good euphemisms, but however he said it. If they're 4% back, that gets him more fired up. Like, Wayno performs better, which is hard to say because he performs awesome all the time, but he yeah. performs better when, in the, when the odds are stacked against him and the Cardinals. And that's the type of leadership you need in that clubhouse. And frankly, it goes beyond guys like Wayno and Lester and Yachty who have won World Series before. And I know you mentioned their name, but I'm looking at a guy like Nolan Arenado, a guy who told Greg Amzinger of MLB Network that they're playing in the wildcard game. A guy who wanted to be traded to St. Louis because he wanted to be a part of a playoff team. The same with Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt hadn't had a whole lot of playoff experience. Having those guys in a clubhouse only benefits you, but it starts at the top with Adam Wainwright and his comment from the previous segment. That's what gets me kind of on that side of the spectrum more than anything. And you look at the Reds, for example, they haven't been here. Most of their guys haven't done this. They haven't been in these situations, at least in recent memory. In fact, for most of them, their memories are losing to the Cardinals in meaningful games down the stretch where the Cardinals end up going on their late season run. And then it becomes a, Oh, here we go again, type of a situation in Cincinnati. Now, the Padres are a little different. The Padres had immense success last year, but they're new money. They're, they're the new kids on the block that are trying to be able to make it through a, a big-time season. They've never had this kind of pressure on them before. And so far, they've not lived up to any of those expectations that we applied to them early on in the season. So I, I do think the leadership, 
the experience that the Cardinals have going into this final stretch run, it is going to be meaningful for them the rest of the way. And you mentioned it, guys like Wayno, guys like J-Hap, all of them. I, I think it's going to be significant for them down the stretch to be able to have players that have been there and done that in these types of games. Oh, look what I found. No, we can't do this, man. I thought Jamie was in the building today, which, like, we can't do this. I know Barnes is here. I talked to him, like, 20 minutes ago. Yeah, we can't do this. Tanner, I can't do this. I I think we do. Have you seen the lineup yet, Alex? I haven't seen it, no. I haven't either. Should we do it? Let's do it! Is it time for the lineup game? Ryder, watch the hallway for us. If Jamie starts coming down, let us know, because I need to make a beeline out of here. that wall. Because Barnes, too. Barnes was pretty angry the last time we did this. It's a doubleheader. The first game is coming up. Are we doing both lineups? No, we haven't seen the second one yet. That'd be tough. (laughs) Mike Schilt just throwing the same one out there. All right, so the first game's coming up in about 45 minutes or so. Tanner did this. I want to be very clear. Yeah, we had Tanner, no say I, in this. I, you know, I was just looking at the computer, and it said Fastlane lineup. I thought I they oh, hid that from us. I'm surprised down. you, you know even what? found that. I don't that. even feel bad. They replaced me in the NFL Pick'em Challenge. Yeah, yeah and right. they make fun of me. Uh, Jamie made fun of my glasses yesterday. Yeah, with I don't holiday. feel bad. Let's do this. All right, let's play the lineup game. All right, starting out, leading off, got to be Tommy Edmond, right? Going back to him? Yeah, you got to go Tommy Edmond here. All right, so we're one for one. This one's simple. Paul Goldschmidt. Agreed. Don't look at us like that, Tanner. Okay, Carlson. Carlson batting third. They, I don't think they're switching things up. I don't think they're going to either. But, yeah, I'll go Carlson here, too. Mm. Oh, my God. What? They're switching things up. I looked at the lineup when it came out earlier, and I swear Carlson was batting third. Are they going Arenado here? Or are they Is going- Carlson getting the day off? Well, it's get, a lefty on the mound. That's the thing that I don't understand. He'd get the first one. Well, you're not going Lars Newbar then. Yeah, that's why I don't get it. So um, maybe you're putting our, are, are you going to go Tyler O'Neill there? I I guess. I don't really understand why they would switch O'Neill and Why Carlson does Mike Schill do this every time we do the lineup game? Uh, okay, l- let's, let's go, O'Neal. go O'Neal. Why? Okay. Wow, that's so, <laughs> so freaking weird. Carlson's the switch hitter. Something's got to be uh, right, going fine. on here. So Arenado, Arenado four. <laughs> so is it going to be Carlson? Here? Oh, I know. I have the worst feeling in the well, world that it's going to be Paul DeYoung here. Last time we did this, it it's, was don't be Paul DeYoung. Or last time they had it, this scenario, it was Yachty batting fifth and then Carlson batting sixth. So do they go back to that? R- lefty on the mound. Uh, do we go Yachty? Yeah, let's go. What? Let's go Yachty. Mm. So it's Carlson. Carlson. Yikes. Yachty. Yeah, because Kisner will be the next one. Mm. Oh my God, are they playing Kisner here, or is it Edmundo Sosa? Guys, this is terrible. Okay. So Sosa's starting today. We, we both agree with that, right? Or do you think they split the games? Sosa gets one, to Young gets uh, the other. They'll split the games. I just don't know who you're going to put out there against what. So in game one, you've got Michaelis. Game two, you've got Hap. I, I think they go Sosa in game one. So you're going Sosa I'm batting going seven? Sosa batting sixth here. We're or six. sixth in the lineup, right? Correct. You're at the sixth spot. I'm yeah, going we'll Sosa. Go Sosa. It's okay. Yachty, yeah. Okay, so, so then are you going to be Yachty? You go Bader here. So we're thinking Kisner starting today. Yeah, well, it, Yachty doesn't bat below That's six. true. So yeah, we'll go Bader here. <laughs> And then and, Kisner. And then Kisner. Oh, boy. All and right. Pitching? This was a tough one. No, we're not doing pitching. And pitching today, we got Miles Michaelis. I, so, 
Let's go through this lineup. Guys, this was this was like C-plus effort. If we're going to steal games from the fast lane, we got to do better than this. I didn't expect them to go with their B lineup in the first game. All right, so your batting leadoff is Tommy Edmond playing second base. Hitting second is Paul Goldschmidt playing first. You got Tyler O'Neill strangely, is back up to hitting third, playing him left. I don't understand. Nolan Arenado is playing third, batting cleanup. Dylan Carlson hits dropped down to the five hole. Uh, playing in right field today. Edmundo Sosa starting at short, batting sixth. Harrison Bader in center field and batting seventh. And Andrew Kisner is your starting catcher in the first game today, batting eighth with Miles Michaelis on the bump for the first game of the doubleheader. Seven innings in both of those today. From the 618, is this the same lineup BK kept telling Alex to flip people in yesterday that it was irrelevant? irrelevant? I don't understand. Ah, he got it. What? Why did they he switch the- this? Well, you know, well, it's a double header and you want to make sure Yachty's rested because they play again tomorrow. Oh, I, Yachty's sitting. That's totally fine. I got no issues with that whatsoever. Well, Carlson did only go one for three the other day. And are like, Carlson splits bad against lefties? I think they are. No, Carlson's better against lefties no, this year, that's, right? That's sure. not true. What's the data say? Know, okay, we can look it up. He's batting 337 this year against lefties. That's just. <laughs> can somebody no, no, explain not good. it to me? I think can Matt Carpenter's so, better than that. Text line 65780 is the air coverage service text line. Please explain to me why you dropped Dylan Carlson down in the lineup for Tyler O'Neill against the lefty. Some, somebody explain it. What's his OPS against lefties? It's very good. It's 900. Let's see what Tyler What's his WL plus percentage? <laughs> Tyler O'Neill is hitting 281 against lefties with a 952 OPS. Oh, well, that makes sense. You got to put go. him there, man. Okay. All right. That's fine. With how many home runs against lefties? Let's see. I think that's where most of his powers come this actually, year. Actually, right? no. Only four home runs against lefties. Okay. That's well, actually I mean, a little that, surprising. Few, what's his slugging percentage? Yeah, he won, fewer oh, opportunities. He just hits doubles. Uh, 563 slug against that's lefties. That's very good. Okay. He just hits there doubles. You go. So there's your answer. He's, so yeah, I told you the data would explain he's it. He's slugging the hell out of the ball against lefties. Um, this is still confusing to Lineup's me. Lineup's irrelevant, man. doesn't matter. As I said the other day. In general, lineups don't matter a whole lot as long as you get your top five guys at the top five spots. Yeah, in the lineup. we said that. Uh, all right. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. The Cardinals coming up in about 40 minutes. We'll keep you guys apprised with everything that's going on in Cincinnati throughout the day today. But coming up next, let's talk a little college football. I was talking about this with Brad Barnes in the office. What's your interest level right now in the college football season? Because it officially opens up on Saturday. I'm very excited for the local schools. I can't say I have that same sort of engagement nationally. We'll talk about why that is coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is exactly where you want to be listening to us. It's PK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. I've got a question for you. I just saw this quote from Mike Schiltz earlier today. And this is, I, I want to be very clear up front. This is not a shot against anybody, but I just want to get your immediate reaction when I tell you this. Oh, no, I love these. Mike Schiltz said this about a player. Really good guy. Great competitor. Gives you everything he's got. Matt Carpenter. How do you think that player has performed? If you had to guess when, when, a, when a coach, manager, anything like that, or if, if one of us said really good guy, great competitor, gives you everything he's got. What do you think the performance level is like for that particular player? 200 batting average or below. <laughs> That's probably I mean, it's I'm Matt Carpenter it. he's talking about. He's talking about Brandon Dixon, the oh. guy that they just added that's, to the roster. That's today. a quote from a man who had no idea what he was doing. 
Like they just gave him the stats of Brandon Dickerson and they said, hey, this Dixon, is man. It's what? Dickerson. His no, name is Brandon Dixon. It's Dickerson. Why do you keep calling it's him Dickerson? Dickerson? It's Dickerson. No, it's not. It's Dickerson. He's a major leaguer, man. We got to get his name right. I mean, Jay Happ is understandable because there's a dot after the A. There's no sun anywhere in his name. <laughs> Actually, it's the er. Yeah. The You're sun is at the end er. of his name. I, oh, I just sorry. I, yeah. <laughs> I love that quote because it's perfect. Because there's no other way to sell it, right? He's got an, an ERA approaching 10 in the minors. He hasn't p- pitched in the big leagues in 10 years. Um, the last time that he pitched professionally, it was overseas in Japan, and he was a reliever over there as well. So it's not like he's adding great length to your bullpen. I, I love that this is the way you sell it. Really good guy, great competitor. You know what's going to happen, everything though. everything he's got back there. You know what's going to happen? That great competitor is going to come up and pitch like J.A. Happ this season. He's going to come up and he's just going to start dealing. I hope he does. I, I really do hope that he's awesome for this team, but my guess would be we're probably going to see him one, maybe two times over the next two weeks, and then he's yeah. going to be sent back down. Yeah, it's going to be like a, a Ponce de Leon scenario where like he was up, but he wasn't used until like you absolutely had to. <laughs> 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll get into some questions and answers. But I did want to talk a little bit of college football with you guys today because Saturday – is the real national beginning of college football. Last weekend, we got to see Illinois beat the brakes off of Nebraska. That was so enjoyable. I loved every second of it. But this weekend, you get to see the big boys play, right? Alabama's back in action. Clemson versus Georgia is the headliner game on Saturday night. The Citadel. Mizzou is back in action. Like you're, what? you're, you're going to be able oh, to see nationally all of the big games. And we, I love college football, so I'm excited about the season. I do think it's a little different this year, though. And I haven't been able to pinpoint exactly why my excitement level, my anticipation level for this season is a little below where it's been in recent years. I think I might have figured it out this year as I was kind of talking things over with Brad Barnes, though, in the office. I think it's twofold. First portion of it, for me at least, and I can't speak for the audience, but I think last year's COVID-plagued season is part of it. It was a weird year where you didn't really get to see your typical games. The SEC played a 10-game SEC-only schedule. A bunch of those games were really impacted by COVID. I mean, there were games where a team would have like 45 of their 85 scholarship players available because of injuries and COVID. Just a weird season overall, and it didn't go the way that any of us would have expected it to. The second part of this, Alex, is because I think when there's a lot of anticipation going into the year, it's because the big boys... Alabama, Clemson, um, Ohio State, Oklahoma, they've got stars that are returning from the year prior. That's not really the case this time around. Alabama lost their starting quarterbacks and all of those wide receivers and Najee Harris. Clemson doesn't have uh, Trevor Lawrence coming back this year. Oklahoma doesn't have a returning Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray. Ohio State's quarterback situation is a little questionable, and their uh, their team as a whole is is turning over quite a bit now. The teams that you expect to be there at the end, nationally, locally, all of those teams have stars. Nationally, though, it's a little bit more nameless and faceless than it has been in recent years when you go into the season knowing, oh, to a tongue of Iloa after we just watched him in the national championship game, he's going to be a star at Alabama. Uh, Devontae Smith, who was awesome as a sophomore. Oh, now we get to see what he can do as a junior. Some of these guys that we had gotten to know earlier on in their careers. Now they're all kind of moving on. I feel like this is a little bit of a transition year for college football. See all of those reasons you just cited as to why you aren't as excited are the reasons why I am really excited this year. And I, and I always get into college football, but it's always kind of like you dip one foot into the water and you're watching it. 
this year, I'm like 100% bought in because of those reasons. We saw last year what felt like a little bit more boring of a schedule because of just that against the conference and the uncertainty that went to it. And look, we were happy we just had college football, but it still was different. It's kind of like the hockey season was, right? Like you just didn't enjoy watching the same team over and over. But then the other side of it is that clean slate. For some reason, you do get excited when it's the same faces. Like you keep hearing Trevor Lawrence's name. You know, you hear guys like Tua and Jalen Hurts and Mac Jones. You get excited for it. But this year, it feels like that it's kind of a wide open field. Now, locally, you're excited because of Mizzou. But big picture wise, I'm excited because you kind of get to see who those new stars are. So that's kind of the reason why... I'm kind of diving in head first this season rather than what it's been in the past. So I'm going to give you guys a few names real quick. Okay. Oh, no, I'm terrible at the name. Game. And I, I am know. curious, what percentage of our audience do you think could name the university at which this player currently plays? What percentage of our audience? Spencer Rattler. I'd say probably 90%. 90% can name where he plays? No I think chance. So. I'd say big, 9%. Biggest, I think he's the biggest name in college football. Uh, is it Alabama? Because I can't name Oklahoma. Oklahoma. No idea. I don't. I I bet you it's twenty percent. I think I'd you're. I think you're overestimating how many people watch college football in general. <laughs> um, I guess, especially at that level. But Sp- Spencer Rattler is currently the favorite in Vegas. Like if you go over to the FanDuel Sportsbook right now, he's the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. And I bet you fifty percent of our audience could tell you where he and plays. And that's probably wh- why I went so high. Is not only is he the favorite for the Heisman, but he's like the number one guy return. The he's a quarterback that's returning to a he's big expected university. to be the number one pick next exactly. year. Exactly. That's why DJ Uyungo. Uwe Uyagalale. God bless you. (laughs) You want to try that again? (laughs) DJ Uyagalale. I'm really going to struggle with that one. That's one that I'm working on. I I think he'd be, well, I was off on 90, but I think he'd be with uh, Rattler because you saw him play last year. Yeah, I would say. Do you know where he plays, Alex? No. Clemson. Clemson. He, he, How are he, you excited with no He stars? played one game last year, though. It was just the game yeah, where Trevor Lawrence game? was out. Yeah, well, that's why I don't know who the hell he is. there was a lot of headline is. behind it For because sure. it was a COVID positive, right? Is that why he started? It was yeah. an injury. It, yeah. it, was, it was when Trevor Lawrence was out. Bryce Young. I think more I know people would know this one because of the NIL stuff that came out this yeah. offseason. I don't know that one. But if really? not. But if not for that, I don't think a lot, a large percentage of Bama? our audience would know. Place I know it because of, I know the Bama. NIL because that's what ticked me off more than anything because of all the money you oh, got. Sam go. Howell. Do you guys know where Sam Howell plays? See? I only know this because I'm an NFL draft nerd. Is he I'm North a, Carolina? Yeah. yeah He's say, North Carolina starting quarterback. Matt Corral. I have no idea. He's probably the in Citadel. Oklahoma, the OK Corral. <laughs> I... So I legitimately didn't know this one. This is Ole Miss. Uh, he's Ole Miss's starting quarterback. And then JT Daniels, I would assume a, a decent number of our audience knows that because USC, they watch. Right? He played at USC. Now he's down at Georgia. Oh, see, I didn't know that one. Those are the top Heisman candidates this year. That's the point that I'm kind of getting at here. It, there's been so much turnover at the top of college football since the start of last season. And really, it was a, a awesome two to three year stretch for college football with so many stars in particular at Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State and Oklahoma as well. I, I think it's a bit of a transition year when those are your top Heisman candidates and a, a decent number of our audience and and us, frankly, don't know a whole lot about these guys. I think it does, at least for me, change the interest level. But, Alex, maybe there are some people as well that are kind of in your category where it's like, hey, this is going to be kind of interesting to find out what these guys are really capable of. Yeah, because the majority of those guys that you just named, I mean, I just I'm not as 
invested as I was in the past couple of years with guys like Tua and Baker Mayfield. You know, like those names were the ones that you knew immediately and you were like, yeah, I got to watch this game because of this player. Now there's a bunch of new faces where it's kind of like, okay, now I get to see kind of where this is going to go with it. And I do think the NIL in the scenario, I think that butted some people's interests as well in terms of, oh, this guy's getting paid because he's a part of this team. Let's see how he performs this year. I think another thing for me, and maybe it's maybe it's just me because I always like kind of that underdog story. I'm just kind of tired of hearing about the same teams. I, I hear about Bama. We're going to hear about Bama. We're going to hear about Clemson, Oklahoma. Georgia's in that conversation. That's a good Clemson. Point. I mean, it's the five teams every year. Yep. I, and it's the same ones this year. Yeah, and there's no there's nobody that I say, yep, that's a team that could sneak in. Like when uh, Utah, uh, what was it, three years ago? When they mm. when they played Oregon for the Pac-12 championship, I predicted in the preseason that they would be a team that could get into the college football playoff because they had a veteran defense. There's no team that really flies under the radar that you say, that's a team I could see getting into the college football playoff. Now, there may be one that develops Iowa as State's a season probably go. probably the one. Like if Iowa you're leaning State, that direction yeah. that you're talking about, they're probably the one. But I'm just tired of seeing the same four or five teams. I want to see, you know, let's have a college football playoff where there's, you know, three teams that we haven't seen there for a while. And I know that's not going to happen. So that just kind of takes away from my excitement. Totally understand what you're saying. Uh, we got this text from the 980. So what BK is saying is that he wants to see the same teams and the same players every year fighting for college football championships. If that's not ex- boring, then I don't know what is. I totally understand that perspective. I'm not saying that, though. The season that I remember most fondly nationally, locally, is 2007. Mizzou that year, uh, the KU game, like that was my favorite season that I've watched of college football in my lifetime. But nationally, the season that I can always remember as being the most interesting to me was the year that ended in Texas versus USC in the national championship game. For, For me, that's my favorite college football season and game that I've ever seen because it was a crash course between those two teams to the national championship game. And we knew all of them. We knew Matt Leiner. We knew Lindale White. We knew Reggie Bush at that point. We knew Vince Young. Vince we Young, yeah. we knew the stars on both teams because they had been basically getting to that level over the last two to three years prior to that season. That's what I'm talking about. And I love when it changes over. Maybe one year it's Texas versus USC. But then we get to know some stars at Oklahoma and Clemson the next year. And then the next year there's a there's a team like uh, Tanner was saying that comes out of nowhere. Wow, Iowa State this year. What? Where'd that come from? There's been some Michigan State years where they come out of nowhere. That's where it's really exciting for me. But I, I do, as a college football fan, I tend to gravitate towards the stars And this year going into the season, there just aren't as many of them as there have been in recent years. And that's tough for me to kind of latch on to a storyline or a team or a player when I don't really know these guys the way that I knew Tua or the way that I I felt like we knew Trevor Lawrence or some of the other stars that have come around. So I think that's what's playing for me into my decrease in interest nationally in college football this year. It'll be back up by the end of the season. It's just, it's going to take a while to get there. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text on questions and answers coming up next. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe text now to 65780. It's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Let's start out with this one from the 314. Hey, guys, if you were to rate your top three all-time sports movies, what would they be? 
If you were to name your top three all-time sports movies, what would you go with? Um, Aren't you a big Space Jam guy? Yeah, but it wouldn't be my top sports movies of all time. I guess it depends on categories because like, there's all of them. But for me, number one on this is Miracle. Yeah, Nothing will ever top Miracle, in my opinion. I kind of agree with that. I don't know if it's number one. It might be two uh, or just, three that's, that's one of those movies that I can legitimately watch middle final 10 minutes yep. beginning and i would stay glued to the television major leagues up there for me um friday night lights would be one of them for me yeah. rocky's up there for me trying to think of what my third one would be i think sandlot's up there for me really i enjoy the sandlot coach carter's another one that i really love I love coach carter Glory i think moneyball is a pretty good movie Moneyball's good. a lot that don't like it and i totally understand but that's one that i enjoyed rocky's number one Rockies, B, in the, my the opinion. The first Rocky's good. Well, the, the whole the other, series, in my opinion. I, but. I loved Creed. The, the more recent one, Rocky Michael B. Jordan. Jr., right? I, I yeah. really enjoyed Creed a lot. Have you guys seen, uh, there's a boxing movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. What is it called? Oh, South, South, South Paul. Paul. That was a good that one, was really too. Good. It's really sad, though. Yeah, the beginning of that is brutal. I watched that for Rachel McAdams, too. Yeah, she's great. She's yeah. excellent. Everything she's in. Uh, those would be ones that immediately come to mind for me. Major League is is one that like I think has to be on that list. Slapshot is that one? Mm. Yeah, that's pretty good. Forty two was really good too. Like forty two when 42 that came was, out, that yeah. was one of those movies. I was like, okay, I can keep watching this over and over. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Uh, let's go to this one from the six one eight. Hey guys, do you think that Deshaun Watson's going to be traded before the start of the NFL season? And if so. How much do you think the Texans will be able to get for him when he still has litigation facing? Him? You're not going to get that for him. Like, I can see, I can see somebody giving up maybe a first round and a second round pick, but not three first round picks. Like, you can't get even if, even if he wasn't going through these litigations, that's still a hell of a lot to give up for a quarterback who may or may not change your team. I don't know what they're going to get for it. I can't imagine they're going to get anything in terms of a first round pick, but I guess desperate teams will do whatever they want to. And if it's Philly and they see how bad Jalen hurts is, they're going to pull the trigger. Same with Miami with Tua. If they see how bad he is in the first couple of weeks, they'll pull the trigger. Yeah. I don't know if any team will do anything with the litigation surrounding him though. That's the thing for me is you just, you can't give up because I think they'll still get first round picks for him. To me, you can't give up. Let's say, two firsts and I don't know a second for a guy that has pending legal issues that's the thing for me is just his off the field issues are going to really plague his value and I just think that Texans are in the worst spot possible in terms of football wise of having him on the team and not be able to move him and he's disgruntled I don't know how you can trade for him right now I if you're the Dolphins the Panthers what are you doing like, we don't know what the future holds for Deshaun Watson right now. He may never play football again. He might. Maybe he plays football this year. I just don't know. And if you're one of those teams and you're willing to give up a first-round pick or more for him, I, I don't know, man. For me, that's something that I would have to put off until the end of this year. If that means somebody else gets him before the season, so be it. I'll, I'll take my chances on maybe getting Aaron Rodgers after the year and figure it out from there. Yeah. But I, I can't trade for Deshaun Watson right now. That's that's my answer. If I'm another team, I can't give up anything for him because I have no idea what the future holds for him. And the PR hit that you're taking, the, the questions surrounding who he is as a person, they're all absolutely fair. I, 
I don't know how I could possibly trade for a guy that football-wise, just purely talking about that, I don't know what I'm getting or if I'm getting anything from him this year or beyond. So I can't trade for him unless it's exclusively like dependent on what we get out of him. That that will tell you what you get. So I like I'm trading if he plays all of this year, a first round pick. If he doesn't play this year, you get a seventh round pick from me. Okay, maybe that makes sense, but I don't think the Texans are making that kind of a deal. So yeah. I, I just couldn't trade for him right now. From the 618 and 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. I think this one's geared towards you, Alex. Uh-oh. With the Islanders making their deals today and the Hurricanes making their risky move, they signed an offer sheet. Yeah. Is it more likely now than ever that Vladimir Tarasenko stays with the Blues? That was totally geared toward me. Why did you think that was geared towards Alex? Um, you know, the Islanders one's interesting because they made all of their signings today. If you didn't see, um, I think they have like 2.27 million available to them in cap space. So it seems very unlikely that they would pull a deal with the Blues to get Tarasenko unless they're trading a couple of guys because Doug Armstrong has made it clear he's not going to retain salary. Carolina, I really feel Montreal is going to match that offer sheet, so Carolina might still be interested in it. But I don't know if it if it fully takes away the possibility of Vladimir Tarasenko being traded by the start of season, but it definitely lessens the chance. I still think there will be a team that goes into training camp and says, okay, this is our squad. We're missing some offense. Let's go see if we can pull a deal with the Blues. Training camp usually is a telling sign when teams say, okay, we need to find somebody. Um, but it does take away and lessens that percentage of the Islanders being involved because I don't know how Lou Lamarillo would pull off that deal without the Blues eating like $4 million of that salary, and that's not happening by Doug Armstrong standards. They were also able to get the deal done with uh, Bovier. Yeah. They, they got a multi-year contract done like with four him. Four mil for three, three years. years $4.1 million per year. So. so maybe if you trade him and Scott Mayfield and the Blues – Trade Tarasenko and eat five three million dollars. Maybe something like that, which in my opinion would be a great move. But I, Doug Armstrong, one, I don't think the Islanders would want to trade Bovier because he was great last year. And two, Doug Armstrong's not eating any type of salary, regardless of what the return is. Yeah. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line. Final question here from the three one four. Best recess game: dodgeball, kickball. Or knockout. Wait, is this one's got to go? Best recess game. He's not here for one's got to go. Dodgeball, kickball, or knockout. Which one is the best? Not one's got to go. Which one's the best? Me personally, dodgeball is always the best. Every time they said dodgeball, I got got stoked. Dodgeball, knockout. What was the third one? Kickball. 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 I enjoyed kickball a lot. I think I'd go kickball. I, I feel like everybody had their go-to, right? Yeah. When you, when you get out on to kick recess. Ball. For some reason, every time you ran up to the ball, I kick it and it just goes straight up. i like, son of a... Ow. I don't know, man. I, they said it was like the flexing of the toe. Like you're supposed to flex you're down. You're supposed to kick I it with your toe. At, I stunk at what, soccer, you're too. you kick it with the side. Or with your laces. Oh, no, you get power when you kick with the toe. No, no. That's why it went up. Well, that's probably exactly what up. You either go with the inside of the foot, as BK said, or if you really want to go power, you hit it with the laces. Yeah, I'm a contact guy, man. You know yeah. me. You know I'm a contact guy in general. That's probably why I was never picked for kickball. Also sucked at soccer. The, I was always the knockout guy. I was always going straight to the basketball See, court I, playing knockout. I didn't enjoy knockout. I enjoyed either uh, 21 or uh, 
I just like playing out. basketball. Yeah, pick. Like I wasn't gonna play. knockout for me was it was okay, but I yeah, would but rather right. play an if actual we're going game. To recess, and we got like whatever twenty or thirty minutes. Oh, I'm not playing get, a full five on five. Oh, we get five, about? On five going. You get a five ball, on five in twenty minutes. No, quickly pick your team. Out of here. Let's go. No, you got to take time. You got to get the captains, and you got to pick your teams. The whole thing. No, that's no. already planned before that, recess starts. It's no. literally the first guy to get the ball. The second guy. There's your captains. Who's here? Let's pick. And then sorry for the guy that wasn't picked. BK was asked to play. Five on five. five on five. Yeah. Oh yeah. In recess. Yeah. Oh, get out of here. No, we didn't. About? We knockout. did. You always played games rather than like dodgeball or kick. Well, dodgeball and kickball were games, but like rather than knockout, I'd be playing five on five or I'd play yeah. like actual football. No. Knockout was the go-to. No, it wasn't. Top court, go and play some knockout. Dodgeball was. No. You see if you can hurt somebody. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Man, you need to get that anger checked out. No, it's it's it it lives with me. I know it does, buddy. Kill the man with the ball was always the best. No, that person needs to get their game (laughs) anger fixed. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line. More likely to happen coming up in about 15 minutes or so. If you've got something to send in, a couple of scenarios, we'll tell you which one's more likely. But coming up next, how much differently... How much different would we be talking about the Cardinals if there were expanded playoffs this year? We'll give you our answer on that coming up next on 101 ESPN. They are St. Louis. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Even when they were, you know, won a couple of divisions recently. They didn't feel like they had a great team ever. Um, you know, I think they got on a great run in the second half in 2019. But but I just feel like there's they're still kind of like a little bit short in terms of talent to be able to compete with Milwaukee and maybe even Cincinnati this year. That was Mike Farron on the show recently of MLB Network Radio. And with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. I was thinking about this last night as I was kind of looking through what the playoff standings uh, were right now. Alex, how much different do you think we'd be looking at the Cardinals and at uh, the National League as a whole? If we have the same playoff standings as we did a year ago, where you had the expanded postseason and you had extra teams that were getting in, do you think that would change the way that we view this Cardinals team, or would we still view them the same way that we do right now? I think we would still view them the same way because the moves in the offseason of acquiring Nolan Arenado, the expectations when he was acquired was, okay, this team can actually compete for a World Series now, especially when you looked at the Central Division. People were talking about Milwaukee and Cincinnati, but they weren't really expecting them to be as dominant as they were. So, yeah, if you have expanded playoffs, I think we're still saying the same thing. You're getting into the playoffs more than likely, but you're looking at it saying, okay, but they were kind of given the playoffs. They should be a lot better than what they are. Rather than playoffs, you're looking more at the 500 record. Yeah, and not just looking at the playoffs, the 500 record. What's the expectation? It's always to win the NL Central. It's to dominate the NL Central. And because you haven't, because you're the third team in the NL Central, I think that's why we'd still look at it as if, if if it were expanded playoffs, it would be, okay, maybe we're in there, but you know, it's not that good a team. They'll get knocked out in a best of three series if that's what it is like it was last year. Yeah. I mean there were eight teams that made the postseason a year ago. By the way, expanded playoffs sucked too. Just <sighs> I did not like the way that it was set up last year, I'll tell you that much. There were eight teams that were in last year. If the playoffs were expanded the same way that they were last year this year, Cardinals would be in right now. And they would be three games up on the New York Mets. That would be the closest team out of the playoffs right now in the National League. And then after them, 
It's the Rockies, who, who are eight games back. Who would they be playing right now if they're a first-round matchup? Um, it would be, I believe, the Dodgers um, is who they would play. And if they were able to overtake the Reds for that next spot up, in, or, or the Padres, either way, then they'd be looking at either the Brewers or the Braves. So you might be able to get out of the first-round series, especially if it's the Braves that you're going up against. You'd have a shot against them. We saw how that went here in St. Louis. I, I hear you, but that that's the kind of thing where suddenly it would go a little bit differently, potentially, for the Cardinals. I do think it would change the way that we look at them just because the playoffs would be far more realistic. Right now, even though the Cardinals are only a couple games back, two and a half back, and at the end of the day, they very well may be a game back of the, the Padres. Even though that is the case numerically, it doesn't feel that way because of what's left on their schedule. It feels like there is less of a chance than that, and that is represented by the postseason odds right now. The Cardinals are at about a 6% chance of making the playoffs according to the Vegas odds. If they were in, if it was an 85-90% chance that they were going to make the postseason this year, I think we're talking about it very differently. I think the team is approaching things a little differently. I don't think you're seeing Brandon Dixon as their call up right now. I think you're seeing somebody that's a little bit more exciting coming out of the back into the bullpen. There would be a little bit more urgency for some of these injuries to get them back more quickly. And I think that there would be just a different vibe around the team. But that's why I don't want it. That's why moving forward, I don't really want a team like this year's Cardinals to be rewarded for going three, four games above 500. Because if that's the case, we've all asked, do they get rewarded and they don't make the same big moves if they make the playoffs this year? There's legitimate questions to ask about that. I think the answer is no, but there's it's fair to ask that question. If it was an seven, eight team playoff the way that it was a year ago, I think you're absolutely rewarding teams for mediocrity. And then going into the offseason, a team like the Cardinals probably doesn't make the same big moves that they would make otherwise if it, it is the current system. Yeah, nobody's staying aggressive then because yep. you know that every year you have a chance to make the playoffs, especially in the NL Central because you know the Pirates aren't going to be competing anytime soon. Same with the Chicago Cubs now with what they've done. So it's a three-team race for, what, two spots in the NL Central, maybe three spots with the expanded playoffs. So, yeah, teams aren't aggressive. But going back to what you said, BK, about, you know, maybe they're a little bit more urgent calling people up. I don't think that has anything to do with the expanded playoffs. I think that's more so that the Cardinals just don't have depth to call guys up that are exciting. Because even if this was expanded playoffs and they were in a playoff position, I don't think their call up was Nolan Gorman. I don't think the call-up was Matthew Levator. What about Juan Yepes? Could he have been a call-up if he, if instead of being two and a half games back with a 6% playoff chance on September 1st, if they're, whatever it was, three 17. games up, and you're in the playoffs right now, and you're trying to fight for seeding as opposed to getting into the playoffs, and now you're going into a series against the Reds where, hey, man, our, our change in opponent could be significant based on the uh, the chances of this series. I think maybe then th th there is a little bit difference. I, I think maybe you call up a guy like Juan Yepes. I don't I, obviously we'll never know the answer to this, but that mm -hmm. would be my only retort. Yeah, no, I think that one's getting a call up. But I mean, how much how excited is that getting people? It's definitely getting them more excited than Brandon Dixon or Ali Sanchez. But I don't know how much more excited it would be. And that speaks more to the depth of the Cardinal system that they just got guys that they're just not ready to bring up yet. I don't know if it would change anything, honestly, because we're talking so like right now in this scenario they'd be three games up on the Mets for that last wild card spot. I don't think they would say you know what the Mets are the team that we're really concerned about. Like you look at the Mets now, do you go? 
that, yeah, they got a chance to get into the playoffs? No. no. They would be in the exact same spot that the Cardinals are in now, where it's they're three games back at that last playoff spot. Would you look at them differently? I don't think so. And I think the Cardinals would look at them the same way. All right, they're there, but we're not too concerned about them. We don't need to go make that. But do you think the Cardinals would be fighting for seeding to avoid playing the Dodgers or uh, the Padres, some of the top teams, not the Padres, but the Dodgers, Giants, Brewers, maybe they would try to avoid playing those teams. I think you're looking at matchups a little bit differently. Maybe, but I think if you're the Cardinals, I think you look at most of the matchups, no matter where you're seeded, and you go, we're outmatched. It's just going to be, let's get in and see if we can do something. That just kind of feels like, I'm with you. I would rather say, all right, we got to try and get to where we are facing, maybe it's the Braves in the first round rather than the mighty Dodgers. But I think that the... Cardinals would look at it and say, you know what, we've got a playoff team. Let's get in. Let's just see what happens. Let's call up Ali Sanchez and Brandon Dixon rather than bring up a Juan Yepes because we're not too concerned about the Mets that are behind us. That's fair. Uh, I, I, you very well may be correct on this, but I, I do think it changes the way that we are viewing the season as fans on the outside looking in. I think it changes the vibe around the team a little bit. See, I don't, and the reason I would push back on that just a little bit is because so in basketball there's eight playoff teams right yeah really there's what four teams that we're really watching always for an nba finals appearance i'm a pacers fan and they got into the play-in games this year they were a playoff team they had a chance to be an eight seed and i wasn't excited i just said yeah they're in the playoffs that's kind of how i would view the Cardinals. it's like you mentioned earlier it's awarding mediocrity i could care less about a mediocre team that gets into the playoffs now a mediocre team if you want to call the Cardinals that and they get in this year where there's five playoff teams there's only five playoff teams. You have a one in three, only one out of three teams get into the playoffs. That's a little bit more exciting for me. And you get the one game playoff for the wild card rather than saying this Cardinals team was an eight seed and they're going to get into the playoffs and face the one seed Dodgers. I think if you have the expanded playoffs, it goes back to the point that I made last week where, or a couple weeks ago where it just, you're in that, that vicious circle of insanity where you feel like you're doing the same thing over and over and you get in and you sit there and say, well, we made the playoffs, regardless if it's expanded playoffs, we made the playoffs. So we look at that as a building block and we'll keep the guys that we have. You're not going to go into the offseason and say, we need to make changes. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in 15 minutes or so, we'll get into the new Ferrario five for today and talk about what the role is going to be for Vladimir Tarasenko this year. JR had an interesting take on that yesterday. We'll try to react to that coming up in about 15 minutes or so. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. You give us two scenarios. We'll tell you which one's more likely. More likely to happen is next on 101 ESPN. What's more likely to happen? They'll figure it out. BK and Ferrario's most likely to happen. I missed that one, boys. Sorry. What are you doing over there? I missed that one. Alex, the panic that is the first time over wow. Alex's face. Yeah, the first time, boys. My my mind was elsewhere on that one. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service tax slide for more likely to happen. Uh, all right, so we gotta we gotta bring the audience in on what's taking place right now. So last night, Alex and I were in a fantasy league together. We we drafted. It was Alex's first ever time doing a salary cap auction league. Woof. He. He did really well at receiver, at tight end, and okay, uh, solid at quarterback. Well, really well is a little too nice there because I, I might have outbid myself for the rest of that uh, auction draft. The problem for Alex is that we play running backs in fantasy football. I didn't know that. <laughs> didn't know that. 
And Alex doesn't currently have starting running back on no, his roster. I have I have like five backup running backs on my team. Hey, you knew you were gonna again, dom- you knew you're gonna dominate the league, so you just took it easy on him. Again, Give yourself a challenge. I four like out of the seven, actually five out of the seven positions, looking pretty yeah. damn good because my flex is even decent. But damn, those running backs don't look good. More likely to happen. Tanner gets a tender date before the end of 2021. Or Alex wins this fantasy league at the end of the 2021 season. I'm going winning this fantasy league because I still have an awesome. I mean, like I got Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill. I've got more game than your running backs have. I'm just going to leave that there. That's true. No, it's not true. I Your mean, running true. backs hey, are old and washed that's up, man. Fine. But in terms of projected points for week one, I have the oh. most projected points look of at, everybody. Look at the data, right? Look yeah, at the data. Look at the data. <laughs> look at the data. And I'm going to make a trade at some point, And that's where my head has been. This schmuck last night, Tanner was bidding on every player that I was interested in. Yeah. I would put a bid in, and it, it without fail, the next bid every single time came from Alex A Ferrario. couple of them I wanted to, but a couple of them were just troll he jobs. Did, like he, he, put, to me. He, he put a dollar in for the Baltimore Ravens defense. Yeah, what the hell? I, I upbidded him on $2 because I knew he wanted him for a dollar. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work here. He tells me today, I go, well, show me your team. I got. He goes, I got Tyree Kill, and I outbid BK for him. I said, yeah. was that on purpose? Yeah. So, he got him for like 65 bucks. Man. Yeah, that, I'm not proud of that one. The Travis Kelsey one was still good at $56, but I'm still not happy. Here's the part that really hurts you, though, BK. You got outbid for Justin Jefferson, not by me, but by my six-month-old <laughs> yeah. daughter. Because while I was doing an auction draft first time ever, on top of actually giving my daughter a bath and getting her ready for bed, she grabbed my phone in the middle of changing her, and she was just pressing buttons, and she outbid you on Justin Jefferson. I was Jefferson. so furious, Tanner. I was, I was irate when he outbid me for Tyreek Hill because we got like halfway through the uh, the running backs list. It felt like every every single player that was getting thrown up. He didn't text. It was me. all running backs. He didn't text me for like the next ten minutes. I knew he was ticked off. And and finally, there's some. Re- Receivers that start going, we finally get Tyreek Hill, who I think is going to lead the league in receiving this year. And we'll do a more likely to happen on, on receiving yards here in just a minute. Um, I think he's going to lead the league in receiving yards this year. I think he's going to have an awesome, a monster season. And I was like, all right, I'm ready to go all in on Tyreek Hill. Apparently so was Adelaide, his six-month-old daughter. Yeah, she's like, this is my pick right now. She just kept pressing the button. I'm like, son of a... Can, but then I realized it was Tyree Kill, and I'm like, oh, good pick, baby. Just imagine if I was in this too, because I would probably do the same thing to both of you, as I'd say, you know what? I, I'm just going to drive up the price yeah. on these guys. Oh, I probably would have done the same Everyone thing. wants Imagine. to know who my running backs are. So my running backs, ladies and gentlemen, Melvin Gordon, Jamal Williams, Michael Carter, got him for a dollar. Mark Ingram got him for a dollar. Zach Moss, who I'm okay with. And then Kenyon Drake. Serious question. Before last night, did you know who uh, Mark Ingram played for this year? No. Do, Tanner, do, can you tell me right now who I Mark Ingram not, plays for? I know now because he told me when I talked to him before the yeah, show. I didn't know. But I did not know. When I he went said off Mark of, Ingram, I went, well, I know he's not the New way, Orleans. The answer but is the team at? that you probably think an old washed up player plays for this year. It's the Houston Texans. I I, I, wouldn't, I, I picked him one because I knew it would get him for a dollar and two. I was like, well, you He's projected to get seven touchdowns this year, so it's got to be better than what some of these other guys are, right? <laughs> Alex is doing his entire team based on the projections on Yahoo, That's which is exactly a bold way to go. Doing. All right, more likely to happen. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. I had to tell you what's kind of going on behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, that's, that's why I missed why my song. Alex was distracted because he's trying to find a running back to trade for in our fantasy yeah, league. It's not working. All right, more likely to lead the league in passing yards in 2021. Justin Herbert or Matt Stafford? 
It's Justin Herbert or Matt easy. Stafford. Don't easy. say Matt Stafford. It is Matt Stafford. I don't he's know. Got, he's got more weapons than Justin Herbert. He's got Robert uh, Woods. He's got Cooper Cup. That's he's got it. Tyler Higby. Higby can't he's got, stay healthy, nor can got, Cooper Cup. Uh, Tavon Austin 2.0 in uh, Tutu Atwell. And he's got... Is that, that's not is his that name. a good thing to be Tavon Austin 2.0? <laughs> I was going to say, that's yeah, called a bust, uh, actually. He got a good contract extension, so he must have been good. Uh, who's the other receiver? Oh, they have Deshaun Jackson for the three games he'll play. <laughs> I'm going to go Justin Herbert here. He's more likely. I, I think Ke- Keenan Allen can have a really big year. You have Austin Eckler, who's good at the passing game Great, as well. Yeah. They have secondary weapons that they can throw to. I don't know if they're as good as, as Matt Stafford's, but I'm really excited about Justin Herbert, mostly because of that offensive line in front of him, too. They're going to give him time. So I'm going to say Justin Herbert's more likely. I'm going to go Matt Stafford on this one. Oh, okay. Well, I, shut up, Ferrari. And the reason why is because of the injuries at running back, but that they've sustained. If Cam Akers was going to be healthy all season long, I wouldn't pick Stafford in this. But when you've got Daryl Henderson as your number one back now, and he's he's more of a pass catcher and he's hurt as well. I think I'm going to lean towards Matt Stafford because I think they're going to be more pass happy this year than they've ever been under um, Sean McVay. So I'm going to go with Matt Stafford on this. I think he's more likely to lead the league in pass. The one thing I will say that could hurt him is if they if they struggle to establish a run, I think that's going to hurt him really sure. well. And they have Sony Michelle now as their starting back, I'm pretty sure. More likely the, to lead the league in receiving yards in 2021. Calvin Ridley or DK Metcalf? I think it's Calvin Ridley. I, I, I think Calvin Ridley's ready for a big, big year. And inside details... He outbid me on Calvin Ridley, too. But then somebody else got Calvin Ridley from both of us. So I felt a little bit better. No, you didn't. I thought someone outbid you on it. Mm -mm. Regardless, I I, tried her best. I hit my max and I couldn't outbid anybody anymore. But I think Calvin Ridley's set for Alex ran out of money trying to (laughs) get all these washed up running backs. It was not good. It was not good. Uh, I, I do think he's about to have a breakout season without Julio there. He's the number one receiver. I think Kyle Pitts is going to be a kind of a, a distraction to where you can get Calvin Ridley open a little bit more, but I'm excited to see what he's going to do this year. So my, my, I'm more likely with Calvin. I think it's DK Metcalf. I just love Russell Wilson. He, that's his number one target. He's going to be going to him a lot. That's why I feel like he, it's more likely that he will lead the league in receiving. I don't know. I, I love Kyle Pitts, but I just don't know how much of a, distraction he's going to be to help out Calvin Ridley I don't know how I don't know what to expect out of Kyle Pitts this year uh I think it's Calvin Ridley take that Tanner I bid on him for a reason I love Calvin Ridley this year I think he's going to be outstanding shouldn't have outbid you on Justin Jefferson I could have got Calvin then I I think Ridley's going to lead the league in receiving I, I actually out of all of the players in the league, think he will end up number one in the league this year in receiving yards. 65780 is the air comfort service text line for more likely to happen. Let's do a couple more of these here. What's more likely? The Cardinals sign an impact shortstop in the offseason or they sign a veteran pitcher in the offseason, John Lester, Jay Happ, and then they try to sell us on internal improvements for 2021. More likely they sign an impact shortstop or they go the veteran route and they try to sell us on internal improvements again. I'm going to go big name shortstop here, mostly because I I know people will go to the fact that they've never done this before. They're not going to spend that much money and dedicate it all to the infield. But I'm going off of past history to where when the Cardinals knew that they were depleted in one area, 
They went out and they made upgrades. They went and got Paul Goldschmidt. They went and got Nolan Arenado. And I do believe that they're looking at the shortstop situation and saying, we're just not good enough here. We got to get better. Outfield presented itself. We got second base locked in. Yachty's coming back. We can figure out pitching. We need a shortstop. So I'm going to say more likely that they go out and get a big name. I think it's more likely that they'll do more of the veteran and internal improvements. I just have a hard time, and I, I agree with you guys. I think they should do it and go get one of those shortstops. Corey Seager is the perfect fit. I just have a hard time buying in that they're going to spend another $30 million on this infield. And it, I'll believe it when I see it. Until then, I'm just going to remain to say that I think it's more likely that they'll go the veteran route. I'm going to go the shortstop route because I'm not going to give up hope before I have to. I'm still going to believe until I can't believe any longer. Once Corey Seager and Carlos Correa don't stop and Trevor Story, all of them end up signing somewhere. Then I'll be able, then I'll come over to your side, Tanner. And it's probably going to happen. Let's be honest here. But until then, I'm going to hold out hope. I'm going to believe that they're going to go out there and get one of those impact free agent shortstops. All right. From the 636, more likely to happen if Tarasenko is on the opening night roster. He starts out on the third line or he starts out in the top six. We're going to answer that question and give you the latest Ferrario five coming up on the other side here on 101 ESPN. Giving you the picture, the real big St. Louis sports picture. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield studio on 101 ESPN. You know, I, I can't see a situation where you put a disgruntled Tarasenko on the ice for 20 minutes in the number one power play, giving him that opportunity to produce. Yes, you want what's best for the team. Yes, you want the guys on the ice who are scoring. And if Tarasenko's doing that, then, then of course, you've got to play him. To me, it's just, uh, you know, a catch-22 because he's going to have to get that type of role to produce like that, and I'm just not sure going into training camp that he will. So we got the text a little bit ago. More likely to happen on opening night for Vladimir Tarasenko. He's in the top six, or he's on that third line. And with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. That was Jeremy Rutherford on with us yesterday, talking about the difficulty for the Blues in trying to find the role for Vladimir Tarasenko. So I'm going to ask you that question, Alex. What's more likely if Vladdy is on the opening day roster for the Blues? He's still here. Is he going to be a top six member for this team, or is he playing third-line minutes? I think he's a top six, at least for the beginning, because you have to try and sell Vladdy, and you have to get him to be desired in a trade that warrants somebody taking on his salary and you getting something in return for it. So you could put him on the third line. I don't know how effective he will be there, and I originally thought it would be a third-line role, but JR makes a great point you got to try and make Vladdy look desirable to a team. So I would say you're going to look at him in a top six role, probably playing on that second line, and you'll have a Pavel Buchnevich on a left side with him to see if you can get some type of chemistry going on the ice, at least for the early portion of the season. It might change a little bit. If Jordan Cairo stays hot at the beginning of the season, you could see ice time change. But at the beginning, I think you have to go with him in a top six role to try and get teams to want to trade for him. Yeah, I think it's really a question of like, so Jordan Kyra is going to play the right side this year, right? We, mm-hmm. we all seem to think we all agree that yeah, that's he's tried he the left side and it just didn't work out for him. So the question then becomes, where are you putting Buchnevich? Are you putting him on that second line? Are you putting him on the top line? And what are you doing with Braden Shin as well? Because what you could do, uh, theoretically at least, is bump Braden Shin over to the left wing. You put Robert Thomas on that second line and Thomas is now centering Braden Shin and Vladimir Tarasenko. And I know this would not be ideal, obviously, but 
Brandon Saad bumps down to that third line. You've got Barbashev centering that line, and you've got Jordan Cairo on the right wing. So it does kind of fit the roles that you know Craig Berube typically likes to see. You've got a guy that's a puck hound. You've got a guy that goes to the net. You've got a guy that's a shooter on all three lines now. But it just doesn't feel quite right. Yeah. I, I think when you don't have Tarasenko in the lineup, it makes a little bit more sense. Um, and Buchnevich has said publicly uh, he prefers to stay on that right side. He feels more comfortable over over there. And we did this all of last year with Mike Hoffman as well, where he preferred to be on his offhand. And they tried to force it on the left-hand side. It just didn't work. He was better on the right. That's what I'm most curious about is, okay, these guys that are staples now for your franchise – Guys like Saad and Buchnevich and Shin, O'Reilly, Thomas, Kairou. Are you really moving them around to appease the the expectations of Vladimir Tarasenko? I would hope the answer is no. Well, you're going with whoever's playing the best at first. And honestly, if Vladdy's already showed up at, at uh, the facilities and skating with the team, he, he he's going to come out there. And Jamie said yesterday that he looked great on the ice. So he's going to come out there and perform. So it really is performance based. If Vladdy goes out there and looks like the former 40 potential goal scorer that he was, then you're going to play him the most ice time. But if he becomes a casualty on the ice defensively, then yeah, you're going to drop him down. The good news is Brandon Saad has played third lines before and he's been effective. That's what he was in Colorado He'll last year. He'll be fine year. wherever you need him yeah. to. The way that I view this roster, at least going into this next season, Pavel Buchnevich wants to play the right side, great. But you're going to start on the left side. And if it doesn't work, then we'll shift you to the right. Whatever seems to work out. I see him matching up very well with a Braden Shen on that second line. I just think both guys are puck hounds. And as much as you want to put Shen on the wing and get Thomas at the center. I just don't see it at the start of the season because you need to start off hot and Braden Shen usually plays well there. And then on that right side, I'd say just to react to that real quick, you've mentioned a million times as well. The Braden Shen is just, he's more productive as a centerman as well. And unfortunately NHL stats don't really show center versus left wing. But if, I mean, if you go back and watch games from the past couple of seasons, he starts off hot because he's the center. And then when they try and move things around, that's when Braden Shen starts to get a little bit of a dry spell. But I think Vladdy makes sense on that right wing in the second side, at least to start the season. Your first line would be a Brandon Saad with O'Reilly and Perron because I think Saad matches really well in terms of puck count with those two. And then your third line, if you can get Tyler Bozak locked up, I really like a third line of Bozak with Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas because I think those three played really well together last season. You got a heck of a lot of speed. Maybe you can get some matchups, but you do have Ivan Barbashev who could play there. But again, yep. it he comes could down center that fourth line exactly. as well for you if you needed him to. Com- and then when Sun- if Sunquist is going to miss the first portion of the season, then that benefits you as well until you can figure out this Vladdy Tarasenko situation. But regardless of where he starts, it's going to come down to performance based on the ice because if Craig Ruby feels like he's not performing, we'll see what he did with Mike Hoffman. You'll either be a healthy scratch or you'll be dropped down to the fourth line. So we've mentioned Mike Hoffman a few times. That's one area where the Blues need to improve this year is that second, third line left wing spot. That was inhabited a lot of the a lot of the year by a guy like Mike Hoffman. What else needs to improve in 2021-2022? Alex, that sounds a lot like a Ferrari 05 Well, to you me. already took one of them, so it's a Ferrari 04 now. You can go ahead and mention it. No, you it. didn't take that one. Hit it, T-Bone! You're listening to BK and Ferrario. It's time for the Ferrario 5, a top five list of very random things. So, Ferrario, give us your top five. Sooner or later, we'll get to something that's random, but, like, we usually have so much material for Ferrario 5s. It'll be Friday. We'll do just something random. Probably not. Okay, number five on this list are the young guys needing to take that next step. And I think that's really important for this team to improve on this year because last year they didn't have it. 
Like Robert Thomas had a setback. Yes, Jordan Cairo looked like he improved, but Zach Sanford didn't improve in the areas that you needed him to. And frankly, you need more from Jake Wallman and Nico Mikola and Scott Perunovic. And I know Perunovic was injured all season, but you need those guys to take the next step. The difference between the Blues and other teams right now that are successful are there young players that are in the system that are ready to play in the NHL? They come in the NHL and perform. And the Blues just don't have that right now. They, Who are you referring to specifically? Uh, Jake you Wallman, young Nico Mikola. Frankly, Robert Thomas still, I think Zach Sanford still should be considered a young player because he is still kind of in that frame of the Blues where they're trying to groom him into the roles. Those are the guys that you really need to take the next step right now because they give you depth, and if you don't have depth, you're not going to be successful. So that's number five on this list. Number four on this list is the power play. Now, I know they finished the season last year, what was it, seventh overall or eighth overall at 23%? Really a hot month or two, though. Exactly. The first two and a half months of the season, BK, they were 24th in the National Hockey League. The reason that they barely made it into the playoffs was because the power play missed multiple opportunities. You need your power play to be good from the beginning to the end. That needs to be an area of expertise for this team this year. And I think it will be because they're going to have a full training camp with Jim Montgomery, who's running that power play. You have a couple of specialists now with Brandon Saad and Pavel Buchnevich. If Vladimir Tarasenko is there, I'm interested to see what Krug and Falk's role. But to be competitive now in this central division with teams like the Winnipeg Jets, like the Colorado Avalanche, you're going to need your power play to be top five throughout the season. So that's going to be an area that needs to be improved this upcoming year. Guy that I'm excited to see on there is Jordan Cairo this year. Yeah. See what that looks like with him uh, being out there potentially with Robert Thomas. I think those two could have a really good chemistry, both on five on five and on the power play. And that second unit is going to come under a lot of, I, I'm saying this word not because it's going to be bad, but a lot of scrutiny because it needs to improve from what we saw a year ago. Number three on this list, BK, is secondary scoring. And this kind of ties into the Mike Hoffman thing you were talking about, that left wing. But I'm going big picture here. Like, you need your secondary guys to to step up for you. So we all know who the top six are going to be kind of slated right now. You got Perron, O'Reilly, Buchnevich, Saad, Shen, Kairou, slash Tarasenko. But when you look at the bottom six, guys like Tyler Bozak, if he's back, Thomas, you look at Barbashev, Sunquist, who was injured a majority of the season, Sanford, Barbashev, those guys only combined for like 60 points last year for you. And I know that sounds like a lot, but I'm talking 60 points and 57 games mm-hmm. played. That you, were, you weren't getting a whole lot from your secondary options, which resulted in you having to play your top guys 21, 22 minutes. They were fried by the third period. You had a lot of low-scoring games this season. You need more from guys who are going to be on that third line. If it starts out with Robert Thomas, you need Robert Thomas to play like a second-line center. You need him to take that next step. You need to start getting more offense from your third and fourth line, much like it was in 1819. You know what else they need is more offense from their defense. They need yes. guys on the on the blue line to be able to score for them and just produce points. You, you got to get more offense that starts from the blue line. Tory Krug's got to be better this year than he was a year ago. Finished with 32 points, two goals, 30 assists. He needs to be better. A lot of that's going to come from the power play, and that kind of goes along with what you're saying there for the number four power play's got to improve. Krug's going to go a long way there, and we all expect Pareko to be better now that he hopefully will be healthy this season. Yeah, and I'm interested to see Falk on that power play too, and I think you'll get more opportunities to score goals from that blue line. Number two on this list is the penalty kill. And I, I, Ooh, this yeah. is this is crucial, BK. I, I mean, your penalty kill last season was 77.8%. Here are the teams that were worse than you in the NHL last year. 
Buffalo, Chicago, Nashville, Philly, New Jersey, and Pittsburgh. And only one of those teams made the playoffs other than you. Like you can't have a penalty kill that is below 85%. And I know that seems like a lot to ask, but this is a defensive first team. Penalty kill on the defensive side is so crucial, but the Blues got hemmed in their zone way too much last season. Your penalty kill, you need to get back to having those PK specialists. So that's number two on this list. I think that's critical for success this season as well. Again, going back to Colton Pareko, he's a game changer in that particular area. You need the shutdown defenseman, and last year he wasn't able to be that because of his back. So, Number one on this list is your defense has to improve. And I'm looking at the second unit. I'm looking at the third pairing. I don't know if this ties into them going out and getting themselves a left wing or left defense, a left side defenseman, or if they're able to make a trade, but defensively you were on the ice way too much last season. You allowed way too many goals last season. I know some people will tie this into goaltending, but you got to get crisper in your own zone, more physical in front of your own net. And frankly, you got to start limiting these guys transitions because speed killed you. And I think the central division is going to be fast this upcoming season. So number one through five on the Ferrario five, the five things that need to improve for the blues to take the next step in 2021, 2022, number one, defensive improvement. Number two, improve on the power uh, penalty kill. Uh, number three, secondary scoring has to take a step up. Number four, the power play has got to be a little bit more consistent. And number five, the young guys talking Wallman, uh, Mikola, Thomas, Stan- Sanford, all those guys have to step up in a way that we haven't seen previously. That is your Ferrario five for today with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks. And I'm Brandon Kylie coming up in about 15 minutes or so. The Cardinals can't be afraid to improve the roster this offseason, even if it ends up burning them with another player going to play better elsewhere. We'll get into that in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, time to dive into the junk drawer and we'll give you the latest update on the Cardinals game next year on 101 ESPN. To BK and Ferrario, brought to you by Smart House Heating and Cooling on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson and I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's dive into the junk drawer. But first, we got to tell you a little quick update about where the Cardinals are. Update. Uh, they were leading. <laughs> what do you mean they were leading? Yeah, what do you mean? They were winning. Okay. They're still winning, right? What'd they do to win? They're not winning what? any longer. Oh, well, obviously, one of the big Paul hitters Goldschmidt. came through. Paul Goldschmidt hit a home run. Okay. In the top of the first. Put him up one nothing. Harrison Bader. Yeah. My boy Bader. Yeah. He finally showed up. He hit a home run to put him up 2 nothing at the top of the second. My goodness. Unfortunately, the bottom of the second happened. Probably Joey Votto hit a three-run bomb against him. He, he walked. Okay. Farmer reached on an infield single when He's they had good. the shift on. Barnhart singled to center. He's good. Then Wade Miley came up. No. Just tell me it was a sack fly or something. It was a two-run double. Oh, oh no. let pitchers hit. Oh, no. First pitch swinging, 92-mile-an-hour sinker ball what, was right that a, around the middle of the plate. Was that a two-out, two-run double from your pitcher? It was indeed. It was indeed. A two-out, uh, two-run double by Wade Miley, and the Reds now lead the game. Three to two as we are in the top of but the you third. You got first and third right now with nobody out. It's okay. 
Cardinals feeling good. All yeah. right, so that's where we're at. Cardinals are currently losing 3-2, to two, top of the third. Stick with us here on BK and Ferrario. We'll keep you apprised with anything that goes along throughout the day-to-day. Let's dive into the junk drawer. Alex Ferrario, what do you have for us? Boys, I got another world record. This time, this isn't just any normal world record. You got to do this for 50 years. Oh, my goodness. So, T-Bone, you got plenty of time because you're like, what, 10? I'll be 72 in 50 years. Uh, There's a man named Donald Gorsk who is 67 in Wisconsin, and he has set a world record for the most Big Macs eaten. Oh, no. Every day for 50 years. No. This man kept track of it since 1972. Have you ever seen Super Size Me? Yeah, I have, but, like, this is ridiculous. Guess how many he ate? Well, if he's eaten one every day for, what, 50 years? What it says, like 1700, 1800, something like that. He's eaten 32,000. Holy cow! 340 Big Macs. 1000, excuse me. Math was off. Yeah, you said 1700. I figured. Um, Wow. So he's eating like two a day almost. Pretty much, yeah. Holy bleep, man. He's kept track of this, too. Is he large? No. Is he a large fella? I mean, he's got large hair. He's got long hair, but. Oh, he, he is not a large dude. He looks like hippie Alex Ferrario in 30 what the, years. What the hell does that mean? What does that mean? If Alex became a hippie and moved to Savannah, Georgia. I love Savannah, Georgia, too. I, I feel like that's what Alex would look like 30 years from now. A little bit of gray hair. Really, Let me see. Turn the screen. He's for got me. sideburns like John Actually, Lennon. You know what? No, that's more Tanner Thank 50 you. years from now. Say, I am a handsome looking I don't, man. No, I don't. I, that was really uncalled for. What does that mean? I uh, I, yeah, I can't mean, do long hair. Too. I could see Ferrario rocking long hair. I could too. I can't do long hair. Alex gets the long hair going a little bit during the uh, hockey, during the hockey season. season. It's already started, yeah. boys. Is it really? We're getting the flow coming back. Is Wait, it? is there just a bunch of flow under your hat? No, no, I got to grow it. It oh. takes a while. Thought maybe there was like a mystery no. under the hat that no. I didn't There's know There's a method about. to your madness. It's huh? always a mystery under the hat, T-Bone. Always. 32,340 oh Big Macs. Is there anything in the world that you That's would be willing to, to eat for the next 50 years no. to that degree? No. What if I, I can't do not, fast food. Not limiting it to any one like place. I could drink seltzers for the next 50 years. <laughs> but I'm talking one specific food group even. Like if, if we're talking tacos or pizza or not, something like that. I could vegetables. probably do tacos, but I don't. It, it depends on what kind of taco. Like, I don't think I could do Taco Bell for 50 years, sure. but you get me a good taco, probably do that for yeah, 50 years. Yeah, you can years. go to Mission Taco one day. You can go to Taco Buddha taco another Circus. day. Taco, there. taco Circus is also yeah. another good one. I think I could do, like, a, like a, a slice of a buffalo chicken pizza every day. I could do buffalo chicken wings. Probably do those for 50 years. Yeah, I, I feel like that, that would rip me apart. Well, Al- would, Alex, of all people, that would rip you apart. <laughs> well, oh my. It would rip certain areas of you yeah, apart, that's that for sure. That well at all. Someone said cheesecake. See, I couldn't do something that sweet for that long. Heavy. Yeah, it would just, just it be, would kill you, man. It would be 110 degrees outside, and you're like, I have to eat cheesecake. I, I mean, the, the story from this man says, like, when he when he first started back in 1972, My God. he got his car, and he literally drove to, to McDonald's and got three Big Macs and started it. Like, the 50-year the thing's impressive in itself, but what's more impressive is the fact that he kept track of it. Like, how do you sit there Wait, and how, always keep track of it? Wait, how old is he now? 67. So he started when he was 17, 17. years old. That's unbelievable. All right, my story for us today in the junk drawer. Good luck tossing that. Speaking of, this might. Speaking of unbelievable. So. I never said it was unbelievable. There's a lot of people that are 
big fans of a gentleman by the name of Michael Jordan. You may have heard of him. He was a pretty good the basketball, basketball player. The back football in the day. player who was just cut? No, no, the basketball player. Oh, okay. So Michael Jordan's underwear. What? <laughs> hey oh. Hey oh. Are currently available for auction. The opening bid is five hundred dollars. They are apparently they show signs of quote heavy use. He wore them, quote, regularly. His underwear had heavy use. I mean, if you've heard that before. They have been dry cleaned. Good. Who I guess. dry cleans their underwear? I, I'm assuming that was one of the... Uh, Is there the you-know-what stain in them? I don't know. What it, does that I mean? I don't know. The bleep stain. Poop stain. Yeah. Yep. It's okay. I didn't want to say I can't. I can't say one way or the other. All I know is I that these are up for auction. Value. $500 is the opening bid for Michael Jordan's underwear. Were these the one he wore at the flu game? I, I, don't, I hope if, not. Because you know what happens when you got the flu. I got to ask, who the hell would bid $500 on Michael Jordan's underwear? Like, I understand there are people that just value things it's differently than I do, right? It's not so much bid $500. It's more so like who Why would... Why do you br- want this? But who would brag about this? Like, is Guess somebody... Guess what I just won. <laughs> is somebody putting up in their office with... Like a plaque kind of thing going on they here. They probably have are, are a wall of underwear. Putting this on a poster. <laughs> Michael Jordan's underwear on your wall. You know, people have like the... Is it the Hanes? It's got to be Hanes, right? It's Jordan brand. So it's got to be Hanes. Well, it's Jordan brand. I was going to say, that's Jordan brand. His brand is Hanes. His brand is... Jordan. Jordan. Brand. Uh, but he advertises... I can't imagine anything in the world that's more sickening and disgusting than this. Bidding five hundred dollars on used underwear from anybody, much less Michael Jordan. They were dry cleaned. Not interested. They were dry cleaned. Come on, man. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, the Cardinals cannot be afraid to upgrade this roster, even if it means potentially watching another player walk out the door and improve elsewhere. We'll tell you why. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. So I was listening yesterday to the fast lane and they had a really interesting conversation that I thought we should bring up on our show as well. They were talking about the potential of moving on from Paul DeYoung and why the Cardinals can't be afraid to make that kind of a move. And here's what Brad Thompson had to say about that. We can react to this on the other side. This is no disrespect to Paul DeYoung because I like the player. I like the player a lot. Carlos Correa is a better player. Corey Seager is a better player. Trevor Story is a better player. Like the, the Javi Baez, even though he's got the thumbs down, he's an idiot. He's a better player. Like So that, that's kind of a, how you have to look at things. And he'd get the thumbs up in St. Louis, uh, you know, because, you know, best fans in baseball. Baseball. So they definitely do that. Standing O. Yeah, of course. As soon as he came over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but that's just the, the, the be-all, end-all is the upgrade. And if, if uh, Paul DeYoung did go on somewhere else and he tore it up, then at, at the very least, two things, all right? Two. One is, all right, well, we were right on the player. It just didn't happen here. And then two, why, why didn't it happen here? So let's focus on that first part. If he ends up going elsewhere, if the Cardinals decide this offseason, they make that big move, and they get Corey Seager or Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, whoever your favorite of that tr- that group is, uh, let's set Javi Baez aside for a second. Let's, Why? He'd get the thumbs up. BT's not wrong. Let's focus If he's good, absolutely. Let's focus on the other three, though. One of those big three shortstops going into next year's uh, free agent class. Are we not doing him money drizzle? 
Simeon? Yeah. What? One of the big three. One of them signs with you, and you upgrade at shortstop, and you decide, you know what, we're going to trade uh, Paul DeYoung. He's going to get us a, a great bullpen piece or a guy that can compete for a starting pitching spot in our rotation, whatever it may be. You can't be afraid of that coming back to bite you because Paul DeYoung goes elsewhere and he hits 30 home runs for the Philadelphia Phillies next year. That's part of doing business. What you have to be confident in is you're upgrading that spot and whoever you're trading Paul DeYoung for is going to come in and help you as well. Luke Voigt's one that comes to mind for me. There's a lot of Cardinals fans that wish that they had Luke Voigt right now. And I get that. He's, he's been a good player for the Yankees since leaving here in St. Louis. Do you know who the Cardinals traded Luke Voigt for? Jason, Jason Shreve. Shreve. He's been phenomenal. You guys said that at the exact same time in a way that I was unprepared for. <laughs> Giovanni Gallegos, yep. who's been awesome from the moment that he arrived here in St. Louis and has been it and is now your closer. And you got Paul Goldschmidt also, who is I know it's he hasn't been well. I know he hasn't been the MVP as Luke Voigt, but you still gotten a legit hitter. So the reason that I bring that up is because the Cardinals identified somebody that at that point in time did not have a long major league track record, but they knew he can come in and help us. He's gonna be a good player for the Cardinals and this guy that we don't really have a place for on our roster because we're gonna go get Paul Goldschmidt. He's gonna be the one that is able to get that for us. It was a smart move by them, honestly. That's what you got to do with Paul DeYoung. And you can't be afraid of him going elsewhere and having a bunch of success because that's the cost of doing business. You got to hope, first of all, that you can get one of those shortstops, which I know in this scenario, you're not trading Paul DeYoung until you acquire one of mm-hmm. these shortstops through free agency because that's what you don't want to get into. You trade them and say you're going to go for one of these guys and then you get left at the altar with nobody there. But you're right. I mean... You have been bitten by other trades in the past, right? Everyone goes to the Randy Arena one, now with Adolis Garcia, who wasn't traded, but of course he was released and had success with Texas. But you can't be concerned about that. If Paul DeYoung goes elsewhere, that's a situation and that's a scenario that I think you have to discuss elsewhere. And I know Stalter got into that as well yesterday. But in terms of the shortstop... Any of those names are going to be an upgrade for you over Paul DeYoung. And we have now surpassed the point where you can sit there and say, well, we need to give him a little bit more time because we feel like we can get back to 2017 Paul DeYoung. No, we're past that now. You had your opportunity. It didn't be it wasn't fulfilled. And now there are other options out there that can make us a better team. You can't be hesitant of making a trade because you're worried about him hurting you. Go get somebody who you know, yeah, it stinks that he hits 35 bombs for this team, but we got this guy who has helped us tremendously compared to what we were with Paul. Yeah, I'm with you. And if you are concerned of him hurting you, then move him to the American League so you don't have to see him that often. Granted, that cuts down your market, but if that's really something that's something concerned the best about best you, person. Yeah. If, the he goes to, if he goes to the Reds and that, they give you the best offer, then that's fine with me. Okay, I'm not trading within the division no matter Depends how on who the they offer is. If they give me a better offer than anybody else, I'm trading him in the division. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd do that, but I, I, I think you need to. Ch- I think the change of scenario is good, and I can't. You can't be hesitant of it, and I don't think. I have wondered if that is something that the Cardinals have had, whether that's this past off season or at this year's trade deadline, is that little bit of hesitancy ever since that Randy Rosarena trade happened. And Mose admitted it. Mose said, it, I think heading into this off season, if I'm not mistaken, we got to get our guys opportunities to play. But I think there is that, yeah, so you know. And that's why I feel like sometimes, and I don't think it's 100% true, but there are those times where I go, are they they a little hesitant to do something? Are they too afraid to move on from somebody a little too soon? Paul DeYoung's a great example of this year. They weren't going to trade him, I don't think, this year, but they didn't move to Sosa until just recently in the last week or so. 
The, the reason that I think this is a little different with DeYoung than some of the other names that I'm sure we'll get on the text line at 65780, Paul DeYoung's had 2,000 plate appearances in the big leagues. 2,000. The guys that we can name that have come back to hurt the Cardinals because they decided to trade them elsewhere, they're guys like Randy or Rosarena who were up for a cup of coffee. It's guys like Luke Voigt who really didn't get a real opportunity Adoles here. Garcia. The, the the guys that we are talking about that have gone on elsewhere to go, do great things are mostly players that ended up uh, getting their first real shot with another team. Who were the guys that were solid yet unspectacular here and then went on elsewhere to do things that we weren't we had no idea they were even capable of? John Nagowski. Is there any? I mean, you, you could say Lance Lynn, maybe, but that's free agency. That's a little yeah, different you didn't than a trade. trade. He, he ended up walking because he got a contract elsewhere, and the Cardinals decided not to offer him a deal. But was what, there a trade that— The Al- contract count? No, because he was in the minors. He never got a big league opportunity, uh, really, he, with the Cardinals. I mean, he did, but it was kind of like a Johan Oviedo start where you saw him once, and then he was sent back down. I mean, he looked good in his start, if I remember correctly, yeah. when he started, but it wasn't where you knew he was going to become an ace for another team. Um, some people would say the Marco Gonzalez one, but, I mean— I don't know if you ever saw him really as an ace yeah. for the Cardinals. Yeah. And I mean, I you, I mean, you got Tyler O'Neill out people, of it. People would go Carson Kelly, but in my opinion, you got Paul Goldschmidt out of and that. And he's another one that we really didn't see much of. Right. So I, I just, like, Randall Grichik's the guy that maybe would come up on the and text Piscotti, line. And but, but Piscotti was a different scenario. And, and Grichik's been the same player. He's mm-hmm. just doing it with a different team, and they've got a better lineup around him, so it feels better because they're winning and he's putting up decent RBI numbers. With Tommy Pham. Maybe that's the one. Maybe that's the that's, one. That's probably that's a really probably good one. the best one. But, but again, it wasn't a trade because they felt like he wasn't going to be good. I think it was a trade because of the circumstances that were around it, whether it was locker room or whatever it was. Who did they get back in the fam deal? Uh, I think that was Hennessy Cabrera, right? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, and I feel like that was a pretty good trade. Well, they gave up six runs in the last game he appeared in. Okay, really, we're going to go right to I, that. I believe it was in, yeah, Hennessy Cabrera and Roel Ramirez were the ones that they got for that. <laughs> okay, if you mentioned Roel Ramirez, then Some, I would have understood. Someone texts Tatis Jr. No, that doesn't count. <laughs> that, that was just a workout. Yeah, so to bring this back to the main conversation, you can't be afraid. No. You, you can't be afraid to make the big move, even if it does end up costing you a guy that goes on elsewhere. Because Paul DeYoung, it would not surprise me at all. If he was traded to a good hitter park and he... Got a fresh start somewhere new. He's the everyday shortstop. He knows he's going to be in the lineup every day, and he doesn't have the same amount of pressure that comes with playing here in St. Louis. I absolutely think he could hit 250 somewhere else with 30 home runs and ends up being a, a valuable commodity as a shortstop. That that brings into, and again, that's why I feel like it's a two-part discussion because you can't be afraid, but if he does go elsewhere and has success, I think that's an area that becomes a concern for Cardinals fans. Not so much that you moved on from him, but what is going on with these players in the organization and why they're not having success. And that's something that Rick Hummel wrote about recently over at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. He said, this is going to be the most testing year for the front office in a while because I'm sure it felt like the players were in place to have a productive lineup, but it's just not consistently productive. And that must be addressed somehow, meaning perhaps some sort of change in their hitting coach philosophy. There were some quotes from Colton Wong recently over in The Athletic. He talked about how his hitting approach here in St. Louis was basically dictated to him as, you need to go up there and take pitches. You need to earn your walks, right? And now in Milwaukee, 
he's he's going for broke. He's he's trying to hit for power. He's he's hitting first pitch a lot. His pitches per plate appearance has gone down quite a bit since going over to Milwaukee, and the success is impossible to ignore. He's been a very good hitter since the moment that he started for Milwaukee. I don't know if that's because of the hitting approach. I don't know if that's because you have a player that's just come into his own. He was a good player for the Cardinals in the last few years as well. He was very productive here too. I don't know how much you can realistically put that on Jeff Albert. However, if you start seeing that more consistently where guys go elsewhere and then they publicly make comments about the hitting approach here in St. Louis, that's when you know you've got a problem. I also think the Cardinals are kind kind of trying to address this right now. When Ludwig started showing up a little bit more and you're starting to hear the players talk about the approach you heard publicly, Tommy Edmond previously talk about their preparation I think this is something that the Cardinals are going to address this offseason either way. And I, I think that Colton Long does shed some light into it. But, you know, I heard Klaib say with Carriker and Smallman yesterday talking about Edmundo Sosa just trying to get out of his own head, which is what's been working for him and not listening to all the outside voices. But you also look in the minors right now, and, and we're all talking about all of the players that are starting to hit. And as much as people shoot down Jeff Albert at the major league level, he we also have been told that he has his foot in everything in terms of the Cardinal system. You look at guys like Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn and Nolan Gorman. These guys are hitting. Large Newt Bar was down there for a really long time. These guys are performing. So on one end of the spectrum, it does become, it, it is put into the light a little bit more. But you also look at the minors and you sit here and say, okay, well, these guys are performing as well. For what it's worth, uh, just to put these numbers out there. Colton Wong is basically this year having the same year that he had in 2019 here in St. Louis. And the hitting coach in 2019, if I'm not Jeff mistaken, Albert. was Jeff Albert, right? Are you sure about that? What's he the hit, data? He hit 285. I'll give it to you right here. <laughs> okay. In 2019, he hit 285 with a 360 on base percentage. This year, for the Brewers, he's hitting 280 with a 340 on base percentage. The biggest difference is he's slugging more this year. He is hitting for a little bit more power. And that very well may be because of approach. She might be right on that. In 2019, he had a 420 slugging percentage. This year, he's closer to 460. That's not a massive gap, but it is a gap nonetheless. So I, if you're looking at where things have changed for him, it is that power. And what's strange to me, Alex, is that the power component is what we've heard so much about from Jeff Albert. And earlier this year, he said that they were selling out. It's all about the slug, baby. That was Tanner's motto. Slug, baby, slug. And for this team to still not be able to find a way to do that, it is a little interesting to me. All the while, Paul Goldschmidt, it's another dinger. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Update from the Cardinals game. They are now leading once again <laughs> in the top of the fourth inning. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt is just having a monster of a second half of the season. I love it. He has had two home runs in this game now. The first one went 439 feet, absolutely crushed to dead center. This one went 441 feet. Oh, just trying to outdo himself. To dead center. By the way, boys, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but it should have been a three-run shot. Rondon got picked off of first. Well, and something to keep an eye on. Michaelis is out of the game after 53 pitches. Now, he has given up four runs through three innings, but something to keep an eye on. Yeah, he's coming back from the injuries at 55 pitches. He's given up five hits, four runs. Hasn't been all great. Yeah, I, I think this might be them. I think that, that might have been them trying to get some more offense. And as we're speaking right now, Tyler O'Neill in for a double. So the Cardinals are getting the offense going today. Sounds they like have, BK's on the bandwagon. They have crushed Wade Miley so far today. Yeah, only scored five runs, too. 11 often. hits, one walk, 
So 12 hits now, 13 base runners in the first three and a third. How they only have five runs off of that is a little surprising, but especially considering they have two home runs that are included in that. But the Cardinals are are hitting around right now um, against Wade Miley. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll be joined by the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. But coming up next, Urban Meyer said the thing that you're supposed to keep quiet. And then earlier today, Bill Belichick refused to say the thing. That you're supposed to keep quiet. The NFL's got a problem on its hand, and it's not getting any oh, easier baby. from here. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. More of the guys right now. BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Smart House Heating and Cooling on 101 ESPN. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, will join the show coming up in about 15 minutes or so. I want to talk about this Urban Meyer situation here in just a minute. But the Cardinals are leading 5-4. to four. They're in the bottom of the fourth inning, and Hennessy Cabrera just entered the game. I'm curious for you guys. We were just talking about this a little off air. Let's bring it on air. How do you manage the bullpen from here on out? Because you do have a doubleheader, so I would imagine, and I don't know, because Dan disagreed with me a little bit on this earlier today, but I would guess you're probably going to try to avoid using the same guy twice in one day. Seems a little tough right now, given how fatigued a lot of their arms have looked at recent in recent moments. How do you set things up from here for the rest of this game? Who are you trying to utilize the rest of this one to be able to close this thing out? If Cabrera, she got a lot of times. The bottom of the fourth. So Cabrera's pitching now. Let's say he only pitches an inning here. I think they're probably going to extend him too, which would definitely make him unavailable tomorrow. Or I mean, uh, tonight. Everyone's unavailable tomorrow. I hate. <laughs> <laughs> Son of. Uh, but if uh, he only throws an inning and he goes about fifteen pitches and he looks good, I think he's available tonight. I, I, I I'm with Dan that you have to go for broke in this series because especially if you win this game. You have the chance to get within half a game of the wild card, depending on what the Padres do tonight, of mm-hmm. course. But I think you go for broke. And unless Cabrera throws about 30 pitches here and goes two innings, then to me he's unavailable. But if someone just goes an inning, has about 10, 15, 20 pitches in that range, they look good. To me, they're available. I have to win both of these games. The problem with going for broke there is you don't want the you don't want the big three to have a blow-up inning. And that's where, I mean, you have a bullpen right now where guys are throwing well. You got Luis Garcia, you have TJ McFarlane, you have Reyes, you have Cabrera, you have Gallegos. I mean, you got five guys right now. Now, it doesn't help that you're into your bullpen super early right here. I think I would see if I can lengthen Genesis Cabrera out this game, now that he's already in, and try and get maybe another two-outing performance from somebody in the other bullpen, so then you have three or four guys available for you for the next game. So as of right now, the guys that might be off-limits or at least close to it, there shouldn't be anybody truly off-limits, but uh, TJ McFarland's thrown 39 pitches over the last three days. He threw 21 on Sunday, 18 on Monday. Luis Garcia's thrown 28 over the last three days. He's thrown 60 over the last five. Luis Garcia might be down today, and you try to get him a couple of days off before you get into that series against the Brewers. Otherwise, everybody else basically available and should be available to go a decent amount uh, if you need them to. I think this is the day that I would use Alex Reyes for two innings. If you can get him and he looks good, if you get out of this inning with Genesis Cabrera unscathed and you go into the bottom of the fifth and you're up 5-4, 
this might be the day that I try to stretch Alex Reyes out two innings, get him the fifth and the sixth, and then you're getting into Giovanni Gallegos for the seventh. And then the next game, you can play your matchups a little bit more. You can go to TJ McFarland if needed, maybe. Um, I, I think that's what I would try to do here with Reyes is try to extend him a little bit because you are a little light in your bullpen right now. That would be the time to do it. I mean, now would be the time to try and see what you can get out of him because what he hasn't pitched since his blow-up outing, correct? Yeah. So, I, I mean, you're looking at a guy who's been off for three or four days. Now would be the time I'd look at it and just see what he looks like going two innings in this scenario. The only pushback I would have on that would be if Cabrera goes two innings. I don't know if I want to burn two of them before I get to that second game I'm saying tonight. go one inning here with Cabrera and, and then, then two, two innings, innings from Reyes. And it, then I would agree with that. That's what Then that's kind of what I would do too. But if if they decide to go Cabrera for two innings, then I kind of would maybe say maybe you go Reyes one and then maybe you go one the next game. reason I would go Reyes, not Cabrera, two innings is because if you're going to use one of them twice in a day, it's Cabrera, not Reyes. Mm-hmm. You're definitely not going to Reyes in the first game and then again in the second one. So if you're going to do that with one of those two, I think it's more likely you do it with Cabrera. So I'd keep that opportunity open for you, but it might not matter because it looks like his pitch count's going to potentially get up a little By bit the in way, this inning. Guys, just for the listeners to know, I'm sitting here at the board and the TVs are behind me. Are they doing extra inning rules? Every time I turn around, somebody's at second base. <laughs> no, no, that's called no. Uh, it's called Cardinals pitching today. <laughs> just welcome to Cardinals versus uh, Reds the up at the Great American, American Small, Small Park. That's cute. Well done. That's cute. <laughs> So coming up in 15 minutes or five minutes now, we're going to talk to Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues. But I did want to talk a little bit about what Urban Meyer did yesterday because he said the quiet part out loud. Is this where he cut Tebow? Nope. This is after the fact. Oh, okay. So Urban Meyer was asked about some of the roster decisions that they made over the last couple of days. And Urban Meyer gave an honest answer to that question. Here is the full question and the full answer, so there is no lack of context that anybody can yell at me about. Could you share with us whether a vaccinated versus unvaccinated player had an impact on a roster decision? It's, everyone was considered. Uh, that was part of the production, which is, you know, let's start start talking about this, and then also, is he vaccinated or not? Uh, can I say that that was a decision maker? It was certainly in consideration. Of course it was. Of course it was. This has nothing to do with whether or not you want the vaccine. Let's set all of that aside. Can we just talk football for a second? If you're a football coach like Urban Meyer is, what do you care about maybe more than anything in the entire world? The players to be available, right? the, The old coach saying is you can't make the club sitting in the tub, which is like if you're always hurt. t bones tub? (laughs) <laughs> no, not his inflatable hot Because I thought that's how you made the team. If you're always in yeah. the training room, there are a lot of coaches that, rightly or wrongly, view that negatively. They want you out on the field. They want you getting out on the field every single day. They want you available. And if you are more likely to be unavailable to their club, of course they're going to take that under consideration. Now, here's the thing. You're not allowed to say this. <laughs> the NFL has basically dictated in a way where if you say something like this, you're completely going up against the rules that they have dictated. So Urban Meyer was completely talking out of turn here, and he's going to get in trouble for it. He's probably going to get fined, and he the NFL is going to act like this is not something that's taking place elsewhere, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Every single team, I can promise you this, every team is making decisions, at least in part, 
Maybe it's a tiebreaker in part because of these kinds of things. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but the other factor into why these are coming into consideration is if, if a team is unable to perform during a week, because that game is forfeited, yep. correct? Yep. And you forfeit money. The players are not paid for those games. So, like, as much as this is, like, the unspoken rule in the NFL right now, I mean, Urban Meyer is saying exactly what every NFL coach is looking at because not only do you lose a game if your team's unavailable to play, but the roster, the other teammates in there, they might be concerned about this as well because if they're losing a paycheck, they're not going to have any of that. And, and if I'm not mistaken, and maybe it, maybe it was more of the quote-unquote mutual uh parting of ways but we've seen two or three coaches that were either fired or the mutual parting of ways because they did not have the vaccine either because well, the coaches are mandated to yeah. get it. okay so okay well there, i guess there, there's the difference that i was looking for if you're not in if you're not a player or if you're not a like tier one personnel is what they're calling it you you are mandated to be uh vaccinated this season and if you're not then you can't be around the players on a day-to-day basis and, and even if you weren't i'm sure that would be a thing for coaches when they're Absolutely. assembling their coaching staff because if you're not available it puts more work on the other coaches and they have to try and tune in on or fine-tune their art whether that's the quarterback coach the defensive coordinator and if you have a chance at hurting that then that's a tiebreaker in itself too rookie move urban rookie move i, I will say I am fine with him saying it. It doesn't bother me no. any because he's just being honest. Like I don't. I would rather honest, interesting answers than them sit up there and lie to us, like Bill Belichick did earlier today when asked if this played any any factor into any of his decisions. Of course it did, Bill. You're a liar when you say that it didn't. Just no, like didn't. every other coach or GM in the league is lying through their teeth when they when they say that because privately they're all telling reporters, yeah, of course this is going to play into our decisions. The Bill's GM uh, a month and a half ago said, yeah, this is something that we're a little worried about. We need to get more players vaccinated, blah, blah, blah. Like there's competitive advantage for these teams too. remember when the Cardinals got to the 85 threshold and they were able to relax some of their protocols. It's also the case in the NFL. If you're a team that's not at 85%, there's stuff you have to do that other teams don't have to go through. So of course this was something that they took in under consideration. Sure. Urban Meyer is just the only one that's willing to say that out loud. The other one is the Detroit Lions head coach, Campbell. He's probably saying, no, they were cut because they couldn't withstand the Tigers on the sideline. Lions on the sideline. You can't you can't play with us. We'll cross things over with the fast lane coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, talking to the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber here on 101 ESPN. This is exactly where you want to be listening to us. It's PK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. To get signed up to play in this year's Fastlane Pick'em Challenge, you can do so over at 101ESPN.com. Make your football picks each week and see if you can defeat the Fastlane. Plus Matt Including Holiday. you. Matt Holiday replaced me. And the dudes from the Rizzuto Show. The weekly top score receives a $50 gift card to Schnooks and a Bud Light prize pack of football swag. The Fastlane versus the Rizzuto Show all season long in the Pick'em Challenge. Get signed up to play now at 101ESPN.com, courtesy of Bud Light and Schnooks Reward. Now we're going out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to be joined by the voice of the Blues. He is the one and only Chris Kerber. Kerbs, how you doing today, man? Brandon, doing good. How are you today? Uh, doing very well. So, Kerbs, I feel like this is our weekly opening question to you because it's been the off-season storyline for the Blues all off-season. Uh, what's the latest with Vladimir Tarasenko? And at this point, are, are we kind of assuming he's going to be there when camp opens up for the Blues? 
Yeah, and, and, and just like we've talked about, exact same thing. He's out there right now skating with uh, with his teammates as some of the guys are in town getting ready. Camp's going to open up in just over three weeks. We'll be playing games in just about three and a half to four weeks. And um, and my my feeling on this and my stance, Brandon, hasn't changed from the, the very first time the story broke and we did an interview. Uh, it, right now he's still with the team, and I still believe he starts the year with this team barring any major change of, of situation. And I don't see that happening, you know, until people know that Vladimir Tarasenko is, uh, is, is completely healthy and that may change, uh, you know, the, the salary cap situation. So, um, you know, right now he's out there skating with his teammates and I'd almost at this time be more shocked if he didn't start the season than if he did with the Blues. Curves, what was your reaction when you found out and saw the videos slash pictures of Vladdy skating with the team at Centene? You know what? Like, I think I think we have to just like like. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I I didn't expect anything different to be honest with you, Alex. I just, you know, like let's put ourselves in in his spot. You know, okay, so things aren't going well. You aren't happy. Um, you, you haven't played much hockey in a two year period. You've had to have shoulder surgery three times. You know, you're questioning what happened and why. Right? You get some bad advice on how things are handled and it goes public, which is really bad advice. Right. And I mean, to, to not see that where you're at in terms of being owed, what you're owed this year, which is going to be the highest paid player on this team, by the way, in terms of salary paid out, not, not just, you know, uh, average annual value. And, and if you didn't read that situation and see that sticking with this team was a possibility, again, you're, you're probably just getting really bad advice. And so if you put yourself in his situation, you sit through it, you, you get through some of the summer, you get through some weeks, you start to realize the situation's there, and you're like, okay, you might have to stand up and face the music and address it as an adult and as a human being, and that's what he's got to do right now. So take the sports out of it. Take the sports psychology out of it. You know, I think if we've all probably at times put ourselves in different situations with people where you got to stand in front of them and you got to look at them and go, hey, look, my bad, but let's, let's find a way to start over because we got some work to do. And, and I think that's what has to happen here. And, and I also do think that that's what can happen here. And so I'm not even, like, I'm not even, you know, resigned to the fact that if he has a good start to the season, he has to be moved or will continue to want to be moved depending on how things go. Curbs, I think we've talked about this team in just about every way that we can. So I, I, I would be curious maybe to transition our conversation a little bit to, to game days now that we're officially into September and preseason games are actually going to be played coming up here in a few weeks. What what are you anticipating for what it's going to be like to be at the arena again this year? I would assume with a decent number of fans in the stands, hopefully we're able to get full capacity. What's this year going to be like for you as a broadcaster, for the team being able to be in arenas where they actually have fans in the stands once again? Uh, Brandon, I can't wait. You know, uh, it, it's uh, honestly my, my same excitement towards this upcoming hockey season is the same excitement I feel towards all the kids that are kind of back in that are back in school now five days a week. You know, uh, watching w- watching high school volleyball last night. You know, and seeing the parents there and, and, and the kids playing and what it all means. It just it, it feels good, and it has been a long time. You know, I know a lot of kids played sports last year, right? But um, but there were so many unique challenges that had to go into every bit of that. And, and now, you know, you're, you're less, you're less worried about it because the majority of people have, are, are taking the smart road and getting vaccinated and, 
and and it's helping really w- with a lot of things, especially with the kids. And, and and my my approach with this upcoming hockey season is the same thing. I can't wait to get out there to see these guys practice. I can't wait to see what Craig Berube does. I can't wait to have conversations with them. You know, I, I can't wait to you know to be able to cover the team a little bit more, even though our access is probably going to be somewhat limited. And, and I can completely understand so while you know we continue to deal with COVID related issues. But the, the fact that we'll be able to probably have a little more access, some di- some different conversations, and and be able to bring the game back to people versus just off a flat TV screen, you know, is great. And look, I I understand why we had to do it that way. Uh, you know, I think everybody did their best under that situation. But the amount of hoops, Brandon, that people had to jump through from a league standpoint just to try and get broadcast feeds to radio guys sitting in remote areas and things like that was such a challenge. So th- their effort was, was definitely monumental. And, uh, you know, hopefully everybody can breathe a little bit easier when it gets started. And, and, and let's hope, I mean, right now the plan is is to be able to play in full, in front of full arenas. And let's hope that that stays the case. I'm, I'm excited about it. Curves, how impactful do you think a, a somewhat normal season for the players is going to be? Because, of course, the last couple of years, there still have been those mandates in terms of road trips and access with players and being able to kind of group outside of the rink. Listen, look, the bottom line is the St. Louis Blues were not a very good COVID team for whatever the reason was. Coming off of the high of the 19 Cup, um, the, the fact that even though they were banged up, they had momentum going into the 20 playoffs and because of the pause and everything, and then other teams that weren't healthy going in got healthy and kind of the impact of the grind of a regular season was nullified. Uh, This team just wasn't the same going into the bubble and wasn't the same, you know, most of last year, despite making the playoffs. So um, I I think that it's a team and with the way Craig Berube coaches and the way this coaching staff is built and the characters on this team, you know, I, they're they're built for camaraderie. They're built for each other. They're they're built for being able to, to to hang out and stay tight. And um, and I think the challenges last year and the, the last year and a half were extraordinarily tough. So for for this group and this team and, and the characteristics of the leaders of this team. I think that's a very important part to the overall team success. Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, joining us here on 101 ESPN. You can give him a follow on Twitter as well. He's at Chris Kerber. Hey, Kerbs, I know the Blues are always doing stuff to be able to get more fans in the stands, to be able to make the uh, game day atmosphere uh, a little bit better than it was a year ago. They're always trying to upgrade what it's like once you get into uh, – uh, Enterprise Center. What is? What are the, some of the things that they're going to be doing this year? I know we talked a little bit about the game day environment, how cool it's going to be to be out there again. What are some of the things that they're going to be doing to get fans in the stands this season? Well, you know, you know first off, I, I think uh, the, the vast majority of blue season ticket holders, whether they be full season ticket holders, uh, half season or partial ticket plans, stuck with this team. You know, and they just said, no, you know, just hold the deposits, whatever, because whenever we can get going again, we're going again. And uh, so I think that's a positive. Uh, I think the Blues have lined up some great promotional nights. Those are available on the website. Uh, you're going to see on, on September 10th some special stuff coming with Blues Night with the Cardinals. Um, you know, as the teams kind of have shared nights like that over, over the last few years. Uh, I, I think there's going to be a refreshing of, of the in-game experience when you come. You know, there's a, there was a chance to really hit a reset button, too. And if you think about it, it's been since March of 2020 that we've been able to really pack the building, right? So whether it be some bands that are being lined up uh, through the great folks, uh, you know, at Hubbard with, with 105.7 and the other great radio stations and 101 that, that are going to be playing there, a pregame, uh, intermissions, postgame, the parties in the Anheuser-Busch Beer Garden, the, the club areas. Like, it, it's really going to be an exciting atmosphere. And, 
and, and looking very forward to it. So, and, and they do still, Brandon, by the way, have uh, well, a couple things, actually. They still have uh, you know ticket plans available right now. So if anybody wants to get a ticket plan for the upcoming season, please do so. You can get on the Blues website or call 622-BLUE. The other thing is, is they have job opportunities available, right? So a lot of the, the support staff, the, uh, you know, wh- whether it be the ushers, the, the, the security crews, the, um, you know, the different game night personnel that are needed to help make the experience a great one for the fans. And they are the most important ones because they're the, they're the people that the fans touch the most, right? Uh, there are job opportunities for that if anybody's looking for some, some work throughout the, uh, the, the fall, winter, and spring. Uh, down at Enterprise Center and uh, in the Opera House. Yeah, that uh, that job fair is taking place today through Friday, three to seven o'clock at Enterprise Center. So if you're interested in that, check it out. Three to seven o'clock over at Enterprise Center. Curbs, always appreciate the time, man. Looking forward to talking with you again next week as we get closer and closer to a, an all important blue season. All right, sound good, guys. Uh, have a great week and have a terrific holiday weekend. Absolutely. Same to you. That's Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Hey, how about this? There's only a couple weeks left to enter. The Fast Lane is heading to Chicago at the end of September for a special road trip up to Wrigleyville. You could potentially win your way in on the fun. You want to know how, Alex? How? Please tell me. Go to Walter Knoll Flores. You can oh, visit all the time. any of the four... I know you mess up a lot. So you got to go to Walter. You got to give my wife a lot of any of the four area locations now through next Sunday, September the 12th. So you got about 11 days remaining. Find the QR code in studio in store, rather not in the studio. And you can get entered to win the free weekend to the Windy City. That'll include a two night hotel stay invitation to the all inclusive. We're not even invited to this happy hour party with the fast lane in Chicago. I wonder if Matt Holiday is going to be going hundred dollar gas card and more. Get all the details on this special Chicago trip giveaway with Walter Knoll and the fast lane now at 101 ESPN. They know Tanner would drink all the beer. That's why we're not invited. Dot com. Cross things over with the fast lane next. Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN. Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. It is BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. And hey, now is your chance to win a four pack of tickets to next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash Cardinals versus Dodgers. Hell of a game, September the 7th. It is an exclusive night for a Lee Smith bobblehead. Winner must be 21 or older. Tickets are courtesy of Budweiser and 101 ESPN. All the details can be found at cardinals.com slash promotions. If you are texter number 101 at 65780, that's the Air Comfort Service tax line. And you can tell me who was selling a pair of worn underwear for $500. If you can have the person Jimmy that is Rivers. doing that. We will give you a four-pack of tickets to next Tuesday's Budweiser Bash Tour. Texture number 101. Crossing things over with the fast lane, we have former superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers in studio with us now. Jamie, what's going on, man? Not much, boys. Just uh, enjoying a beautiful day. And it's always... Always a pleasure when I get to come in here and hang out with you guys for a little and bit. And you've got the Cardinals on during Whoa. your show. Oh, throwing things everywhere. Throwing excited. things around here. We're having a party in here, T-Bone. Yeah, <laughs> Cardinals are, are on right now. And I, you know, I appreciate the seven-inning game. So this oh, one absolutely. here has got me hooked. And this is Cabrera, by the way. Tanner was right. He went two innings. He gave him two scoreless innings in this lot, one. Didn't I say that, too? Nope. You said that they would go with Alex Reyes for two innings. You were with me. 
See, this is what happens when you agree with BK Tanner. Just don't do so it. So what do you, you do BK from here? yourself. I did. Every time he says he's on board with me, I'm like, damn it. What do you do from here? Do you, do you go with Gallegos or Reyes to finish things out for the next two innings, or do you go with McFarland for one or Luis Garcia for one and then finish things out with if Gallegos? If you're going all out, you got to go Gallegos, right? You make it the save and hope that it's not I, too many pitches. I really, really like Garcia. He's I've been I, used I, a I'm lot a big lately. Fan. I know, but I'm a big fan. He's He's got such range. Like, he's got the gas, and then he's got the fall-off-the-table breaking ball, the change-up. Like, Look I'm just you. looking at this guy. I'm like, it's amazing to see this guy was cutting hair a couple of years ago, and now he he's was? in the majors. Yeah, he was a hairdresser. Oh, my God. That's in the incredible. Dominican. That's a true story. Edward I'm not over I, here. I know. I just, yeah. I, I love Jamie a Jamie, year ago. <laughs> Jamie, <laughs> Jamie, Jamie like 18 months ago, who Alex Reyes was, he'd have been like, I don't know. See, uh, is he good? Work oh. at the hockey rink? I'm going to say the guy who punched the wall in the dugout. <laughs> That's true. Okay. That's true. That's fair. <laughs> Jamie knows that kind of thing. Oh. If I would have asked him about Dylan Carlson yeah. uh, 20 months ago, he'd have been like, huh? 20 months ago? Yeah. yeah. We weren't doing a show 20 months ago. Uh, no, he was uh, getting prepared to come back to do radio again. Yeah, I was time. coming off my holdout. <laughs> Is that in back Canada? In? Who's in Canada, wasn't Yeah, maybe. It? Jamie, maybe not. what's coming up today on the Fast Lane, man? Well, we're going to talk about Big Daddy Vladdy Tarasenko. Uh, he's had a couple of days in a row here now at the practice facility, out on the ice with his current teammates. And so we're going to discuss uh, him fitting into the Blues. Where exactly does he fit in? How could Doug Armstrong use him or Craig Berube use him moving forward? And also going to talk about the the possibilities of teams that could still be in the mix because they're disappearing quickly one by one. And there's only a few guy, a few teams left that I think he could actually play on that have cap space, but it might take a little bit of convincing to get Vladdy to see. Oh yes to boy, it. well looking forward to that coming up from two to six. We'll be back tomorrow at eleven for my final show of the week. We'll do that Slacker. tomorrow right here on 101 ESPN. Mm. Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to three hundred dollars off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. Choose from a variety of accessories, like our cycling shoes, a heart rate monitor, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited-time offer ends November 28th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer starts November 14th and ends November 28th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. It's our ultimate Sleep Number event. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed plus special financing, only for a limited time. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details.